Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. So here we are, the last day of 2017 for football fans. It's been a very, very interesting year for everybody. It's been a very interesting year for America. It's been an interesting year for the world. It's been a very interesting year. But for those who care about, think about, worry about, write about, and watch football, uh, there's about to be an absolute, uh, I don't know, orgy, um, a term you want to use. Uh, an absolute, uh, you know, um, yeah, I guess whatever term you want to use. Uh, buffet. But the most important thing, uh, one is that we all, hopefully, those of us who are, you know, healthy and, uh, Alive, you know, I hope we appreciate that. The most important thing, I think, for all of us uh, is to appreciate the opportunity we have, the chance we have to enjoy each other, to enjoy this great game. It is a game that asks so much of you mentally and physically. As a player, it can be quite demanding if you want to try to evaluate. And I guess the great challenge for me at least, uh, is sorting through how many guys out there are deserving of an opportunity to play not only at the collegiate level, but the next level. I have a very good friend, Donovan's joined us at various points, who's quite the recruiting guru, and I don't know how he does what he does. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of high schools with football programs and millions, literally millions of players to attempt to learn enough about that you can offer an intelligent opinion. It's literally mind-blowing to me uh, that you can try to get a handle on how many high school players are capable of playing at the college level. I don't even try. I mean, I dabble a little bit in the high school stuff because, you know, it's where the guys who I'm going to watch are coming from when they get to college, but it's overwhelming. I mean, just Chicago alone, and the surrounding area has hundreds and hundreds of potential collegiate players. I don't, like I said, I couldn't do it. You know, hats off to the people that do the high school recruiting stuff. And, you know, I can't even be mad at those guys when they, when they get wrong or miss something because you're projecting about a 15, 16, 17 year old about what they might be in four or five years. Amazingly challenging guys they grow three inches or stop growing altogether. They may gain 50 pounds or lose 20 pounds. I mean, it's impossible to be accurate, I would think. But like I said, God bless those guys. What they do is super hard and, uh, you know, beyond challenging. So 
So some year, year, year in review stuff. A uh, fair number of upsets, or at least upsets based on rankings in terms of how the, the bowls have turned out. Not been a great year for me in terms of <laughs> bowl pickup. Uh, but luckily that's not something I uh, I worry too much about. I mean, it's for me it's mostly fun. Gotten some right, gotten more than a few wrong. The thing that really matters about bowl games, particularly for teams that are, you know, building towards next year, if you have had a upswing sort of late in the year and you finish it off with a bowl win, you get a chance to look at some of your younger players, sophomore, freshmen, redshirt freshmen, your you know, some of those guys who didn't play earlier in the year because they hadn't quite grasped the scheme in the playbook or they were behind, you know, somebody else who was you know, higher up on the death chart or whatever reason that they didn't really make an impact previously. Some of those guys will emerge and start to, you know, make themselves known. And for a guy like, you know, Lamar Jackson, who had a season for the ages, clearly, I mean, comparable in some ways to Robert Griffin III's season that he had the year he won the Heisman, only more running and less, a little less passing or a little less polished as a passer than, than Robert Griffin III was as a, uh, you know, a redshirt junior. So obviously somebody with years of experience that Lamar, who's, I think, I don't even know if he's 20 yet. He may have recently turned 20, but I think spent most of the reason season being a 19-year-old. So it gives you an idea of just how much may still be there for him in the future. He's clearly a person who, if he's going to remain a quarterback, will have some things to work on. But a good enough athlete that there'll be interest in him, even if it should turn out that he doesn't become a polished enough passer of the NFL season as a quarterback, he is a very elusive, flexible, explosive athlete. And there'll be many people who want to see if he can play, you know, receiver or defensive back or, or you know, some other position. Uh, for Tennessee, a team who was amongst the most inconsistent and up-and-down teams in the country, it was good to see them cap off a probably slightly unsatisfactory season with a win and look good doing it. Uh, that's a program that we may have been a year early on or two on. That may still be a potential national championship contender if they keep the current regime in place and they continue to recruit the way they're recruiting. Who knows? Obviously, I was one of those people that continued to doubt Tennessee. I know there was a lot of hype coming into the season. I, I picked Georgia, of all teams, to win the SEC East, which was not correct either. Uh, you know, I thought Florida would have a chance. I think – no, actually, I didn't pick Georgia. I picked Florida, but with Georgia sort of as my lookout for team in the SEC East that I thought might, uh, might actually come away with it. That's right. Now I think about it. So – the NCE East is still sort of a open question. Uh, there's a lot of big-time recruiting that goes on there. They have some terrific coaches. They have a lot of things that recommend that program. And there, there's a lot of great programs. I mean, Spurrier made his, his, himself known there. You had Vince Dooley and later Mark Rick at one point ruled the East. You had some other programs have sort of brief flare-ups where they were very good for a while and then kind of went back down. But the SEC East, at some point, will have to catch up, right? I mean, that's sort of the goal, I guess, they would have. 
at some point to get to play catch up, to get to where they aren't seen as the little brother, the weak sister, the whatever you want to say, the runt of the litter in the SEC where people essentially decide whoever wins the SEC East um, is the team that's going to get a chance to lose to the other team that they face in the SEC championship. They, they clearly will want to at some point move beyond that point to where they are legitimately have a chance to win the entire conference. Uh, the big chance emergence was something I frankly did not see coming. I saw Michigan coming, which I think everybody did. That's not really anything to, to brag about. I think everybody saw Michigan's with the time of uh, Harbaugh coming and his he, – he's an electric presence. He changes programs. You know, the 49ers may long regret having parted ways with Mr. Harbaugh. I'm sure he did some things that sort of, you know, sped his, uh, his demise there as well. But, but his ability to – I mean, he wants to really get the best out of players. He knows how to acquire talent. He has a, a good eye for it, as is being proven by the work they're doing in recruiting now at Michigan, which is the best work they've done recruitment-wise in a while. Now, he's also, to be fair, winning with a lot of players over there already. I mean, to be fair to the previous administration, they did a pretty good job of recruiting, not always a great job in development. And what he's done, I mean, he clearly doesn't have the quarterback he wants yet. I mean, no offense to John O'Corn and Wilton Spates and some of the other quarterbacks that were that were there and have come there even recently. The Harbor quarterback that is going to win a national championship or at least be in position to win one isn't there yet. That person is probably still in high school someplace. But he's going to get that kid if he if he hangs around for a, another year or two because young quarterbacks are going to flock to the opportunity to play for Jim Harbaugh. He has everything, NFL credentials. He played in the NFL. He coached in the NFL. He's had success literally everywhere he's coached. He's done a pretty good job of developing quarterbacks everywhere he's been. I can't imagine, you know, a reason not to want to play for a guy like Harbaugh if you're a young quarterback. And in a world of you know, spreads getting spreadier, as, as people sometimes say, Here's a program where they they put in some of the some of the elements of the quote unquote modern you know collegiate offense, but it's mostly built around many of the things that he learned as a young quarterback, both in the NFL and of course even under Bo Schembechler in his time at Michigan himself. There's a lot of you know just some razzle dazzly tricky kinds of things, but it's mostly about toughness. You know, mental and physical toughness is still to him. I mean, son of Jack Harbaugh guy who was a terrific coach as well. He's been around football probably, you know, literally from his moment of conception to some extent. And now he comes into the situation where he gets his dream job, where there's a tremendous amount of excitement surrounding his program, and he's about to start stockpiling talent. That's what the next several, for those who are wondering, uh, the next several years of thinking about stockpiling talent to the point where it's, it'll be a fair fight, a straight-up fair fight for the next several years, as long as we have Urban Meyer and, you know, up there in, or down there, I guess, if you're talking about from Michigan, but there in, in Columbus and you have Coach Harbaugh in Ann Arbor, so that is going to, it really is going to be a good time. You know, it's going to be back to the quote-unquote old days when you have these two true national powerhouse programs staring at each other, you know, 
like uh, caged animals waiting for a chance to attack each other. So that's good stuff. But with all that being said about those two flagship programs, who won the conference? Penn State. Sort of an interloper, you know, a late ad, later ad at least. If you're a young person, I guess, it seems like Penn State's been there all the time. But I remember, of course, Penn State famously being an independent, occasionally being courted by other conferences, and always rebuffing them until finally they decided to to link their future, their destiny to the Big Ten. And have done well. And, of course, despite a lot of doubters, and I think I was amongst the people who doubted, I mean, doubted they'd have a chance to win the conference, I, something I certainly didn't see coming. But to see, I mean, we had people calling for the coaches' heads. I mean, they, there were people who wanted to see Coach Franklin fired. Amazing turnaround season. Astonishing. And once again, it shows you how much things can change in a matter of months within a college football program, even more than a pro football situation where obviously things change rapidly there, but you have these very volatile young people, you know, who are going through one of the most impactful parts of their lives. Their lives are going to be changed immeasurably in the next couple of years, not only by football things, but they're going to have a fairly good chance of meeting, you know, the person they may end up marrying and figuring out what their post-football career might be and where they might live what things they're good at. I mean, just everything. You know, your your life changes so much during that time between the ages of 18 and 22. And football is an extremely important part of it if you're a football player, obviously, but there's other things. To see how Coach Franklin managed a program that was coming back, still returning, still recovering, obviously from the scandal that was not all that long ago. I mean, to me, it seems like very recently, you know, you had Coach Paterno's tragic denouement. I mean, almost like a Greek tragedy. And, you know, the real victims, obviously, are the young people whose lives were irreparably changed. But there's enough pain and shame for everybody to share in, in what took place there at Kent State, who was in any way connected. Then from that point, we see Coach O'Brien have a stabilizing effect. Just, you know, just the fact that he was able to staunch some of the bleeding, they didn't lose their entire program. I mean, there was a a thought that they might get the death penalty at one point. There was a thought that a lot of their best players would take advantage of the opportunity to without penalty transfer. Some did, but most stayed. That's a testament to the coaching and just how much people loved the idea of playing for Penn State. It's easy to forget because a lot of people, you know, have a tendency to see college football as one thing and one thing only, an opportunity to play pro football. You know, the two things are, are just that simple that, well, I'm playing, I mean, if you think of it that way, if you just think of playing college football as only an opportunity to play pro football, like that's all it represents, then it's easy to see to think, you know, that a school like Penn State might not be a good place to be or to see certain opportunities as being damaged, you know, hurt, taken away by the things they underwent. It is interesting to see that instead, how dramatically that program, like I said, has been 
rehabilitated, revived, you know, survived, all those things, you know, all those things, all the things that they managed to, to get done so quickly. I mean, when you see how hard that Coach Franklin and that staff worked and how hard those players played, there's really not much else to uh, to say. You know, so uh, the Pac-12. So interestingly, I you know picked USC and later felt like an idiot, <laughs> and uh, USC obviously did not look like the team I thought they would early in the season, but by the end of the season, they looked like the team I was expecting them to be. And then a team I didn't see coming was Colorado. And hats off to Coach uh, McIntyre, who I think everybody on the planet has somewhere amongst their, you know, coach of the year. Uh, I mean, he's it's hard to think of somebody more deserving of Coach of the Year. He, the job he did and how quickly the job was done. I mean, we talk about what Coach Franklin did, in which I impressive, but I don't know too many others who, who did under those circumstances where, once again, it's a program that some people were beginning to sort of, you know, shovel dirt on and think that they would never really compete in the Pac-12. They had certainly had some good runs in their days in, you know, the Big 8, the Big 12, but had not made any impact really in the Big in the uh, Pac-12 until essentially this year. UCLA sort of fell short of almost everyone's expectations. Stanford fell a little bit short, a little bit short of most people's expectations. I thought they would still be the the rulers of the North. Oregon is something I kind of saw coming. I, I thought that, and it's not all Chip Kelly not being there, but I did think that to some extent the loss of Chip Kelly and just sort of some of the excitement. I mean, we talk about Harbaugh. Beyond Harbaugh's X to the nose acumen and, you know, ability to motivate and things like that, he's one of those personalities that just draws heat and light and excitement. And that's what Chip Kelly did in his days when he was running the Oregon program, and they have not managed to recapture that. We will see. Uh, Coach Taggart, I think, is a great hire. He's a tremendous, once again, evaluator of talent, good at developing young people. A smart, hardworking young coach off of the Harbaugh, uh, Jack Harbaugh coaching tree. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of success he has and how quickly his connections in places like Florida pay off. What are things? Uh, the ACC. So UNC is a team that almost yearly I, I sort of warn people. <laughs> You know, Carolina's coming. You know, watch out for Houston, North Carolina. And as usual, they ended up, because they have a ten, people talk about Clemsoning. I mean, I don't know what Tar Heeling, I guess, uh, might be the, the, you know, sort of uh, their version of it. But they have a tendency to lose some games that are just head scratchers and beat some really good teams and almost beat some really good teams even more often. You know, sort of like what Houston did as well this year with looking – just amazing a couple of times against really good teams and then managing to turn up some really unimpressive performances against teams that might be honest good. 
and it might be maturity as a program, you know, it's just the individual players, but sometimes an entire program is young in its mindset. And that seems to be sometimes an issue for Carolina. Another program that has a fair number of four- and five-star type guys. I mean, you know, Zier Jones has made his decision to move on, but that's a guy that, you know, you'd love to be able to build around. If he were were coming back next year, my gosh. I mean, they would have one of the better defenses in the conference. They have a lot of talent on offense. Of course, if Trubisky comes back, which is another question mark, but if he does return, even though they're losing – Switzer and Bud Howard, and I think Matt Collins as well. I don't think he was able to get a medical redshirt. I don't think I have to double check. So they'd be losing their top three receivers in terms of, I think, talent. But they bring back Austin Prohl, the son of Ricky Prohl, and some other guys with, you know, who still have some guys with talent coming back. So we'll see what happens there. But I think they'll still be around to be a contender. I think. Some of the programs like NC State will probably be better next year than they were this year, and they were pretty good this year. Clemson will still be Clemson. I mean, they're sort of an easy team to pick to finish somewhere at or near the top of the conference every year. Florida State should be better next year as well. That should be a little dogfight, the ACC. The ACC should be very competitive top to bottom. I think Wake Forest will be better. I think a lot of programs will be better. Uh, Somebody has to be worse. (laughs) So that will happen to somebody. Somebody, maybe Carolina. Somebody will fall off. You know, Georgia Tech, uh, sort of a season on the brink for them. I think there was a conception that they might not be as good as they've been in the past. So that's obviously an open question, you know, to see what happens with that program going forward. And uh, let's see. I don't know who else. Oh, right. Uh, The Big 12, also maybe a little bit of a disappointment as a whole as a conference. I had some fairly high hopes. I thought Baylor would surprise some people. They, they held it together. I mean, it, considering all the things that they went through, it wasn't a bad, bad showing. Uh, Oklahoma is sort of who we thought they were, a team that, you know, came up small at the you know, worst possible time. Buffalo State had a very good season. Well, a lot of football games looked good at times, just wasn't quite able to get all the way there, close the deal, you know, however you want to put it. Uh, you know, Texas obviously ended up making a change at head coach. And despite having a lot of highly rated prospects, never quite became the program that people, you know, wanted them to be. Texas Tech had a down year. Uh, Kansas State was Kansas State. You know, they'll managed to win seven or eight games, sometimes nine. Pretty much every year that Coach Snyder's there, you can count on that. Just not enough talent to be able to to win at the highest, highest level to win the conference. Um, it's a conference that has reached a crossroads as a, whole, as a whole. They didn't add Houston, for whatever reasons, I thought maybe they might add a team or two. Uh, TCU, I think, will be better next year. But And they'll have a, a championship game. But, frankly, that's a program that I just really think needs, you know, a shot in the arm. And I thought Houston might be that shot in the arm, and they might add another team as well. For whatever reason, they decided not to. I'm not sure I understand what was behind the thinking there. But either way, you know, either way. I thought that they would have been helped by adding 
you know, a couple of good programs, and they have the opportunity to do so. Uh, the AAC is not, you know, a quote-unquote Power Five conference, but they have Houston, uh, which, you know, clearly lost Tom Herman, who's now in Texas, but I think still should be a program to be reckoned with by elevating a very impressive young coach who I think most people felt would one day be a good head coach, and I, I think that's about to be proven. I think Major Applewhite is a young man who's about to make a name for himself. So continue to watch out for them. And I see I've been joined by a couple of very impressive young student-athletes that I've had a chance to, to watch and get to know a little bit. We're going to spend some time with them. I believe Mr. Rogan has joined me. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure. And if memory serves me correctly, is that Tayan as well? Who else, who else has hopped on with us? We've got Corey and somebody. Somebody else is on with us. LJ Grimes. LJ, okay. Got Mr. Grimes, okay. Uh, I'll start with you, LJ. Sounds like you're might be on the road or something. Are you are you mobile? Uh no, no, sir. I'm in uh I'm in my room right now, sir. Oh, okay, okay. Got it. No problem. I just got but, you guys on the speaker Oh, oh, okay. That's what it was. Okay. So first of all, LJ, uh, welcome. Let me let me just ask you a cu- first couple of questions, and I'll, I'll hop back over to Corey. If you'll take me back to your earliest sort of football memories, uh, how did you become a football player? You clearly had played some other sports as a youngster. How did how did you end up becoming a football player as opposed to some other sports? Uh well it's crazy you ask that um my my dad um my dad was a big uh a big uh sports guy growing up and um born and raised in Atlanta Georgia you always see the Falcons and um mm-hmm. actually like the year that the Falcons went to the Super Bowl nineteen ninety eight um that like I always knew about like football I was like a baseball basketball guy and stuff like that but then just seeing the excitement with the city and then the next year playing Pee Wee for the West uh, Side Elementary Falcons and just like there you go West Falcons shout out hey yep yep shout out for my Falcons but um yeah it just growing up with that and then just having the whole city of Atlanta and then the whole Michael Vick era when he came to Atlanta it was just like wow like it's excitement and I mean. What kid in America didn't want to be a quarterback at the time with number seven on their back? So that's just kind of like my first football experience, and that just really made me be a football player. And since then, I just been I always played basketball and baseball and ran track in high school and college. But football's always been my my pastime. So yep, perfect. Okay, same question for you, Corey. And I see you've been joined by the third of our initial trio in the A block. Uh, but same question for you, Corey. How you've obviously once again talented athlete. You've done other things. How did football become the sport for you? Uh, I don't know. I'm uh, from Indianapolis, Indiana. But growing up, you know, I just always used to see. You know, my dad's favorite team was the Cowboys, and I was a Miami Dolphins fan because I just I don't know I like their colors. But you know, growing up, I just always just watched football and man, it looks so fun out there. And then I actually didn't start playing until actually fifth grade, but. I went out there, you know, and I actually, like, made a couple plays. So then ever since then, I just kind of picked it up, and it's always been fun for me, you know. Excellent. Excellent. And let's see, who just hopped on with us just a second ago? Uh, Kevin. Kevin Lacey. There he is, Mr. Kevin Lacey. Speaking of quarterbacks, so yes, sir. Same, 
Uh, once again, obviously a uh, multi-sport athlete when you were younger, but how did football win your heart? Uh, mainly just the excitement of the game. Uh, there's nothing like it. I played baseball and basketball growing up, but it just wasn't as, as high-paced or as exciting as football. So quite naturally you go at what gives you the most excitement. I can understand that. So I'm going to jump back to Corey for a second. Corey, you just mentioned that you grew up, you know, right in the heart of the Midwest, beautiful nap town, Indianapolis. Your father was a Cowboys fan, but you gravitated towards the Dolphins. So no love for the Colts, huh? Right there in your hometown. Uh, uh, I was no. Nah, growing up, I was a Dolphins fan, but I grew. It grew up. I, I was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana, but um, I was raised here in Indianapolis, but. I grew. I became a Colts fan because you know it's a it's a hometown, you know, a hometown team. And, you know they're not doing too well this year, but I've always became you know a Colts fan. You know. So. I got you. Well, the Colts have always been associated with quarterback play, uh, going back to United's back in their days in Baltimore, and then obviously Peyton Manning's one of the top five or so ever to play the position. And a lot of people are excited about what the future holds for Andrew Luck, son of a quarterback. I'm old enough to remember Oliver Luck, his dad, who was a he backed up Archie Manning at one point uh, in his pro career and uh, knocked around the league for about eight years with the Oilers and uh, uh, Vikings. Yeah. But, yes, uh, the the fact that you, obviously, you know, you're playing on defense, which, let me just say, playing defensive back nowadays has never been easy. But nowadays, yeah. when they they want to make it, they might have been hard on us, man. Being a DB has never been easy, but now, you know, they don't want you doing this. They don't want you doing that. They're calling things a little tighter than ever before. Yeah. And once again, you've, yeah, you know, and you, you've had the opportunity to play other positions, even once you start playing football. How did you end up ending up, uh, you know, having to run faster backwards than most people do, do forwards? It's actually kind of weird because I started playing fifth grade, and in fifth grade, like, I was kind of heavier, like, than other guys. And I was playing like on the the O line actually, but then uh, I didn't play my sixth grade year, and then seventh grade came. I was on offense playing tight end, and I liked that too. And then eighth grade came, I was playing uh, I was playing tight end again. But then fresh like I always had I always had an arm, but freshman year a lot of guys were like man you might as well just go out for quarterback, and then I was playing quarterback a little bit my freshman year of high school, but then my um my my high school coach. He was like, man, I'm going to put you at defensive back. And then at, after that, I just kind of, like, I was always athletic and I always can, like, just move off a of reaction. And my freshman year of high school, I ended up getting, like, nine interceptions. And then <laughs> ever, since then, I, ever since then, I just stuck with it. And then I've always liked playing DB and being one of the fastest and quickest guys on the team and making plays and stuff of that nature. But it just grew on me. And, you know, being out there on that island is, it's a whole nother world because everybody can see you once you mess up. You can make hell of, you can make a lot of plays, but you know once you mess up, everybody can see that. So you know I, I kind of like that <laughs> pressure. You know, yeah, it's a lonely it, feeling. It would if if you bite on a double move and that guy takes off and the ball's in the air and you know he's three yeah. yards away and oh your fingertips are just that far away and he's accelerating. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, definitely oh, no! Nah, but it's definitely I love playing DB. Though. I love the position a lot. You know, you got to have a a, a mindset and a swagger about it to be out there. Yes, sir. Yes. You have to be tough-minded. You have to be able to remember 
what mistakes not to make, but not let the mistakes stay with you. Because yeah, being, short, short getting beat once can, yeah, being getting beat once can turn into getting beaten for you know an entire game, which turns into getting beaten for an entire season if you aren't too careful. Yeah, they they will definitely pick with you if you just if you if you stick with the play before you got to move on to the next play. Yep. Yeah. So and I'll I'll speak getting speaking of sort of picking on people. Uh, I'll go back to Mr. Lacey for a moment. So the mental side of playing the quarterback position is the thing that I think people somewhat think they understand it, but, I mean, it's incredibly demanding. The, the amount of information you have to digest week to week, you don't just – people think, okay, wow, that playbook, that looks thick. But they don't understand that you're not going to run your entire offense every week. You know, you're going to change. I oh, mean, no. you're, you're, you're enti- right, your entire offense may change based on what a team is good at taking away and things like that. How, how did you finally discover that you were a quarterback? How did you become a quarterback, Kevin? I didn't discover I was a quarterback. Uh, I played defensive back all my life. Uh, I moved to quarterback the last five games of my senior year of high school. And I kind of grew a love for it, just the, the control you have on the game. You, you touch the ball every play on offense. You, you have to make decisions. Just, just that responsibility kind of kind of made me grow a love for it. And once I got to college, well, making my decision in college, I wanted to play Tuskegee was the only school that offered me to play quarterback, so I accepted the offer. And it was more of a learning curve instead of just – it was a, a big learning curve because I was just fairly new with the position. I knew coverages, but I only knew them from the opposite side. I knew it as mm. I played safety every – I played it safety up until my last five games. And I just knew coverages from the opposite side and which what spots were the weak spots, what were the, the, the key points in the zone man coverage techniques, just different things of, of that nature. But the mental side as a quarterback, you don't see the same defense every week. You could play a 4-3 five weeks in a row, and every team will run it a different way. Mm-hmm. And just just adapting to each team each and every week and having to figure out what plays work, what plays won't work, what's the setup play, what play will work in this situation. It was hard, but at the same time, if you love what you do and you love your position, you'll embrace it and you'll go out and, and give it everything you got each and every week. And it'll make it a lot easier on yourself just by studying the game. Excellent. And Mr. Grimes. Yes, sir. You're another guy that capable of playing multiple positions. How did you eventually settle into your position? When did you become in your heart and soul? Like, when did you know this is it for me? This is my position. Um, Kind of like uh, what, what um, the guy said uh, to to uh, answer before me, just uh, playing DV, and you know, um, like my first uh, high school, I was an all-state wide receiver. So my um, first left high school, and I went to uh, junior college. My mindset was um, um, at the time, I'm like, my mindset was Deshaun Jackson, Devin Hester. Like I'm a wide receiver, <laughs> give me the ball, watch me work. I'm fast, I'm quick. But then I get to I get to junior college, and my coach, um, he's like, hey, so let me tell you something. You know, you're Five ten one eighty five. He's like, so like, not too many receivers. Then you're running a four 
four four five and not running four two four three. She's like, so not too many schools are gonna really they're gonna come after you if you play receiver and you know. But like, if you really work on this back pedal and you break on the ball and know how to do that, then you have a higher ceiling uh, going forward. So you know, as all athletes did at first, I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm a receiver, I'm a receiver. But then I start seeing the DBs like start getting hurt and start seeing them, like trying to go down. And so then my mindset was, well. Uh, let me try this. And I went out there and practiced. My first day of practice uh, at junior college, I, I was getting beat. I'm talking about I'm giving up hitches, I'm giving up slants, posts, you know, back, all everything. And they're picking on me. And so, um, okay. but it's really just hanging with it, hanging with it, and then getting into the game. And um, uh, probably like four or five games, almost late in the season, I got my first interception. And the quarterback didn't really see me. He was in cover two. He threw the ball in the out, and I was just standing there, and the ball came right to me, and it just cracked. And, and I held on to it. And then after that, just really just honing it, technique, and getting and getting better at it. And then um, when I went to uh, when I went out to VUL, the coaches uh, knew knowing or um, the coaches knowing what I played when I was at Youngstown State, knowing I was playing cornerback. But then they asked me, "Well, would you be? Oh, we got some good cornerbacks. Would you?" be open to uh playing nickel and strong and safety and like the four two five and so just uh that versatility just taking the same mindset of cornerback to the that safety position and just using that same um mindset and that's just really why I knew like hey I love D B. There's something about locking the receiver down and knowing that I'm in his head and knowing that Hey, no matter what you run, a post, a goal, a comeback, if we're playing man-to-man, cover, whatever it may be, I'm not going to let you catch the pass. And, yes, like, I heard you earlier in the day and age of, like, the quarterbacks and passing for a lot of yards and the guys catch a lot of passes. You know, I just feel like it's something for us DBs that can go out there and stop that. Because, I mean, if if the quarterback's throwing the ball ten times and he only completes three or four of those passes and he's going incomplete. Um, and, and not only that, but anytime you get a turnover and get your hand on the ball and give it back to your offense, you know, and you know that you're locking the receiver down, shutting them down, it's just that's it's, it's just a reward that you get inside yourself when you're on that island and it's you and him. And like you said, if you make a mistake, everybody knows you made a mistake. But if you make a great play, a lot of times people don't really know. They're like, oh, that was a good play, but they don't really understand the beauty of it. But just knowing that having that pressure on me every play, every play, and that's just – it's nothing better than being a DB in my eyes. <laughs> okay. Got it. So, high school recruitment is one of the most strange, complicated, misunderstood things on the planet Earth. Lots of guys who, you know, they go to the right camp or they play for the right coach or whatever, end up being a four- or five-star, even though they're not the world's greatest player. Well, a lot of guys just fall through the cracks because their school didn't have a good season or, you know, they didn't go to camps, they had to work in the summer, What? who knows, right? I, I, I have friends who do the high school recruitment stuff and, you know, I talk to them and, you know, it all seems kind of weird to me. But uh, I'll, I'll go back to you for a moment, Corey. Tell me about when you first started to get some notice while you were in high school and how did your recruitment play out? Uh, Honestly, in high school, I was kind of uh... – I went to North Central High School here in Indianapolis, and uh, we really didn't have, like, we didn't really have that many, like, uh, college recruits come in and, like, scope people like that, like, at my position. But um, really, I didn't have, like, that many offers. It was, like, a lot of small schools, like, schools you've probably never heard of, like Olivet and Nazarene and stuff of that nature. Oh, but I, I, no, I, yeah, I've so, heard of them. <laughs> Very much heard of them. I've been on most of their campuses. 
Yeah, but like those are like a lot of a lot of small schools, like no, like you know, but my school. You mean like, like NAIA or? Yeah, no, I didn't have anything like that in that nature. But knowing, like, I always told myself, like, man, even though I'm not, I'm not getting anything like that, like you know, all the big D one offers or anything <laughs> in that nature. I know, I know what I can do. But um, so really, the school that I go to now, I wasn't even a preferred walk on. You know what I mean? So I've always been that underdog type dude. You know, like. You know, I'm always fighting for something, but you know, the coach everywhere, everywhere that I played at, coaches always saw something in me. Like, man, this guy got something, man. There's something about him that's, you feel me? Like, but from high school, like, I don't really have that many offers. But I went to, um, I was going to walk on at Purdue University, but my high school, we didn't have like, like throughout my high school years, we wasn't really that much of a, a winning program as far as football. So I got tired of like losing, you know. So, and Purdue was like losing all the time at the time so i was like i'm gonna go to the university of indianapolis you know because they're a winning program you know get championships and all that stuff so i was a I, you know i walked on there and you know i had a couple guys ahead of me my freshman year like a couple all-conference guys ahead of me so i had to wait my time but you know i was always that guy up but when my time came you know i made the best of it and, you know i'm here where i'm at today with it so i've always been a guy like you know overlooked, you feel me, or the guy that's, you know, not seen, but when I do get that opportunity, I make it what it is. Yeah. You you have a real knack for finding the football. I'll give you that. We'll we'll I'll we'll come back to that in a moment. Uh similar question to you, Mr. Lacey. Uh you also had sort of an interesting process in terms of your recruitment. Tell me about when you first started to hear from schools and, and how did that play out? How did you make your decision and things like that? Um, my first, my first really moment of getting recruited was probably my ninth grade year. Uh, we played in a camp at Sanford in Alabama, and on our team we we were filled with upperclassmen because we had been to the third round the year before, and we were a young team then. But just making my way onto the field, I played nickel then, so I didn't really play much in the secondary. I played safety after that, but. I played against mainly just the slot receivers. I wasn't as tall as I am now, but I could move. And my brother had played the position before, so I kind of knew the system in and out. But Sanford really – they my brother committed to Sanford, and so they recruited me as well coming in my ninth grade year. And then my tenth grade year I had six interceptions, and that's when the, the recruitment started to get a little bigger. Oregon State came in, TCU came in, Louisiana Monroe came in, but my size kind of – I wasn't as big as everyone else. I, I was tall, but I didn't have much weight to me. So my junior year is really when I was trying to figure out whether I wanted to play safety or whether I wanted to play another position. But God, I guess, I guess God just decided I should play quarterback, and they moved me. And I ended up getting an offer from southeast Louisiana, and that's where I, went, I officially committed to at first. And then Tuskegee came in with the offer for me to play safety. So I chose Tuskegee because that's where I really wanted to play. And as you pointed out, you know, and that's one of the things I like about you, that mindset and the toughness that it takes to play safety, but, you know, the ability to play quarterback while still having a defensive mindset makes you a, a fun player to watch on tape. And Mr. Uh, Bond, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, the respect I have for guys that play defensive back is, is very high. That position, you're, you're out on the island, you're by yourself, you make a mistake, everybody knows. They know it's that guy, mm-hmm. number three, number seven is that guy. But 
they make a great play and they tip a pass up in the air and gets intercepted by someone else, they don't see that. They don't see the recovery that it takes to, to, to chase a guy down or to guard a guy where you don't know where he's going every play. Uh, the respect you have, you have to have respect for defensive backs because without them, it, it's, it's, it's very easy to pick apart a defense. Yeah, I, I love putting quarterbacks and DBs together because I get a chance to hear sort of the both sides of it. And I, you know, the last time I played quarterback was like veer option when I was about 13. So, and I was very undersized. And I never had that growth spurt that I kept thinking I was going to have. Every year I was planning to have that growth spurt. I'm going to go six inches. You know, never quite played out. But, uh, <laughs> man, I was reading books. I was, I'm going to get more speed next year. I'm going to. I was eating stuff, you know, I would eat these potatoes, whatever it is they say, or whatever. It never quite played out. But uh, Mr. Mr. Grimes, same question about the recruitment process. And tell me about how it's happened. Like, when, when did you start to hear that you might have a chance to play at the collegiate level, and, and what things did you do, and how did you make your decisions about where to play and how? All right. Well, um, like I said, um, my freshman year, my sophomore year, I went to uh, uh, I went to a five, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, who's it, five, uh, a region five high school. So it's like big, little big, and I went to school with a lot of great athletes. So like my freshman year, I played just freshman football, and I didn't really I played freshman football, started wide receiver, uh, free safety. My sophomore year, I played JV, uh, started at wide receiver, played sparingly on safety, and I dressed out for varsities on Fridays and stuff. But uh, didn't really get into the end of the season like. Uh, a little bit of wide receiver, but in my junior year, um, I just came in with that mindset like I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm not riding the bench no more. Junior, I'm playing. People gonna know me on Friday nights. And uh, that summer, I actually trained with my cousin uh, Darius, and he wound up going to uh, Southeastern Louisiana. Uh, so it's kind of crazy you guys said that, but yeah, I trained with uh, Darius, and he um, just helped me get better. And then I went in my junior year, and that's when I was a, a all state wide receiver. And I mean. Like, it, it happened so fast because the first couple of games, I, I got two touchdowns the first game. That was in the Georgia Dome. I scored two touchdowns that game. And then, like, the next game I scored a touchdown. The next game I scored a touchdown. The next thing you know, I was on the uh, the Friday night show downtown Atlanta talking to the uh, – at the time it was Jim Moore Jr. shaking his hand and um, for being the player of the week. And then just that whole season was just a blur because I had just great snaps the whole year and I became a uh, second-team all-state wide receiver. And then that, that – um, that winter, that's when all the letters come in. I would go come to school. My coach, uh, I'll get a letter from my home teacher to go see my football coach. I'll go to my football coach and uh, hand me a letter. It'll be from Tennessee State. It'll be from Western Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, uh, Florida Atlantic, the Florida National. Just all these letters are coming in. It's like, wow, like just last year, I'm on JV riding the bench, and now I'm an all-state wide receiver, and all these letters and offers are coming in. And it's just like, and I mean, that's really what I do. And then I came back my senior year, and I had high hopes. But um, my season personally didn't go how I, I wanted it to go, but our, our, our team did good. We went all the way to state, and we lost. So I was happy in that because, you know, as a team, we did great. And um, But just seeing, like, but that's probably really when it opened up my end of my junior year after I got all state. And um, I just got all those letters. And like you said, I got the invites to camp to come up for a junior day here or come up for a 7-on-7 here. And I got offers from different teams like uh, 
the Atlanta Force, they were uh, 717. They wanted me to join their 707 team and go with them to Alabama, or, or not Alabama, to Auburn uh, University for a 707 camp. And I got an invite to the unnormal uh, 707 camp that was downtown Atlanta at the Georgia Dome. I went to that 707 and going against other top recruits, like um, at the time it was like a, a new Keith Richardson and uh, guys of that caliber. That was like four or five star guys, and me being. Like probably one or two stars going against four or five stars is just wow. Just seeing how what it really takes and what it what it what I may need to be actually to get on to that next level. So yeah, probably my junior year, sir. Okay. Now you said that your 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 final year in terms of statistics and production wasn't what you'd expected. Was that because of a change in the offense? Was it did you have spotty? I mean, without putting anybody on the table, maybe your quarterback play wasn't quite what it had been in the past? Like what changed so that you didn't have the big year that everyone was expecting? Um, well, our, uh, I don't want to say our quarterback because the guy who was our quarterback my junior year, he was a senior, and he wanted up going to a school in Tennessee, uh, Martin Methodist. He played – he was actually a really good quarterback. And the guy that played our um, – my senior, he was a sophomore, and so the uh, I don't want to say that the five night lights or anything weren't big or weren't um, were too big for him because he still directed our offense great. It was just more of he didn't really take too many shots down the field. And like I said, at the time I was more of a Deshaun Jackson, Devin Hester. Like I ran posts, I ran goals, like the right. plants. You were you were running big, you were running the middle. Okay. Got it. So you were you were a deep ball specialist, is what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, high school I definitely was. I was a deep ball specialist. So yep. <laughs> hey, there's a place for guys like that, you know. But it's funny because uh, I've watched Steve Smith since he was at uh, Santa Monica Junior College, and you talk about being sort of underrated and underdog. He was the third rated receiver on his junior college team. Just so you know. Wow. Steve Smith Sr., who was probably headed to the Hall of Fame, was the third-rated receiver on his JC team. Now, in fairness, I should point out that Chad Ochocinco slash Johnson was also on that same team, but he wasn't the number one guy. The number one receiver on that team, I can't remember his name now, but he was a guy that didn't even end up going to college. He oh, wow. uh, met, met a girl, started working at the post office. I'm not kidding. He met a girl, fell in love, took a job at the post office. So the best receiver on that Santa Monica Junior College team in 95, 94, something like that, uh, ended up not even playing college ball. The second best one went to Oregon State and teamed up with a guy named T.J. Hushmanzada, had a pretty good couple years at Oregon State, and then had a pretty decent NFL career. And then the third-rated receiver on that Santa Monica Junior College team, he's headed to the Hall of Fame. So that's why you can't put too much stock in some of these ratings and stars and whatever. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um. I. I mean, like even now, like you know, me and uh the other fellow guys, you know, we're like probably not like you know Mike Mayox or Mel Kuyper's top guys on the board, but like, like I mean, if you ask me or any other two, we're probably just as hungry as any of those top guys. And I feel like us coming from a small school, we have that mindset that you know we didn't come from the best facilities, we didn't come from you know the great off-season workout programs, this and that, but we may do what we do. And just for – it's a testament to our stories, just the fact that we're having opportunities like this coming from our school because, like, we 
Like, we take what they give us as the bar and we push it up and we try to make it past that and make it to a gold standard. So, like, I just – I apply that in my daily life, me personally. Like, just, like, not really being an underdog, but just telling myself that I got to go the extra mile because I come from where I come from, that I have to go ten times harder. I'm not coming from an LSU or a Louisville or Ohio State. I'm coming from VUL, you know, so I have to go that much more harder just to get my name out there and just to get my talent showcased. So, I, I, I mean, I, I – agree with you completely and it's nothing but the truth that you just said i have one more sort of follow-up for you and then i'll go back to the other guys vul though it's kind of like gbu at its level i mean as you pointed out was keith lewis still there when you first got there you said who was keith lewis still at oh virginia yes, lynchburg yes, when yes, you first got yes. there yeah, because um, um, okay. I don't. I, when I left um, junior college, I went to uh, Youngstown State, and then um, I ran into some trouble and got dismissed. And so, like, I was going through a time of like, wow, this is over. It's college over. It's football over. And then um, I, I got wind about the VUL, and then I went down there, and um, that was uh, I got in there that spring, and he had just played his uh, his senior year, hit that 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 uh, that prior fall, but he was still there training and stuff, and me and Keith, I mean, we're friends on Facebook, I have his personal number, we talk a lot, he's telling me what to prepare for and what to get ready for, and yeah, you're right, just having him there, having somebody like that, that's going through what I'm trying to go through, is is so much better, because he's able to tell me, hey, you know, the NFL regional combine, you gotta be able to do this, this, and this, at the uh, Dream Bowl, you gotta do this, this, and this, the CFL workouts, you gotta do, he's like telling me what they're, what they're looking for and what to have, so just having him in my corner is great because he's he's a great mentor and a great guy to have. Yeah. Uh, I've had the great pleasure of having him on. Uh, he's a guy that I got to see, once again, back in high school. He's a kid who kind of grew up not far from where I live. And then his football journey took him, you know, here and there and a little bit everywhere. So you never know where you're going to end up, obviously. I'm going to uh, swing it back to, to Corey. Yeah. Let me just say, Corey. And I wish more people has, have seen your tape. You really have really good body control and ball skills. And you have hands better than a lot of receivers I've seen. I've seen you make some late adjustments to the football, like I said, that wide receivers would struggle to make. You, you have to catch balls outside of your body frame, balls are behind you, above your head, below your knees. Uh, <laughs> why do you think you're so good at snagging the football you know, out of the air with your hands? I mean, I just think about it like this, because I'll be watching on TV, like, a lot of DBs be in position. But if you want to take it to that next level, like, you can be in position, but turn your head around and look for the ball. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> man, but that's why a lot of pass interference is called. But I just be like, man, because, like, I'm not trying to get out, get, be out here and get embarrassed. So you got to go up there and attack that ball and, you know, I just be thinking, like, man, I'm not about to get embarrassed. I got to go, go out here and do my thing. So I'm going to just go up in here and just snag the ball and just make a play. <laughs> but um, I don't know, like, a, a lot of help off season, you know, catching the ball and doing, like, ball drills with a, a couple teammates over the summer. And, you know, because, you know, when you're, not, when you're not working out with a quarterback over the summer, not, not all your friends are going to have the best arm. So when they throw <laughs> you the ball, I'm going to so you're going to have to catch it. And plus, either way, the quarterback is not going to throw you the ball right to you. So you're going to have to adjust and, you know, just make a play on the ball. So that's what I'll be out there. You know, I, I try to do, do my thing out there and make plays for my team. <laughs> yeah, well, you've done that to the tune of 
for those who don't know, tell many people how many career intersections you have, Corey Rogan. Uh, I had nine career intersections. I had only, unfortunately, I only had two my junior year, but my senior year I had seven. And yep. that uh, that was the most of my 20 years by any defensive player. I ended up being fourth in the nation in NCAA for interceptions per game, stuff of that nature. Yeah, yeah, you that. You and the ball found each other a lot. <laughs> yeah, the crazy thing is, though, like, because I told myself, like, I need to get, because, you know, coming from a small school, you got to do a lot of big things. I told myself off season, like, man, I got to at least, I forgot the guy's name, but he went to Missouri S&T, and he was a cornerback, and he graduated junior year, but he, he got seven interceptions, and he got a, I don't know if he got called or I don't know how, but he got on the practice team with the Titans, and he's from Missouri S&T, a school in my conference. And I, I told myself over the summer, I was like, man, I got to so, I worked at it, and I thought about that every game. Like, I got to at least get one pick a game, at least one. So I thought about that every game and, you know, just put the work in and, you know, pray to the man upstairs, and that's all you can do is trust and just go out there and follow your instincts. Well, you put your production in terms of passes broken up, passes defensed, and interceptions, anybody who pays attention um, is going to spot you on tape. I'll put it that way. And speaking of showing up on tape, let me get back to you, Mr. Lacey. You are one of the most productive players at your level as well, maybe not getting all the recognition also, though obviously the Golden Lions have had some pretty darn good teams in the times you've been there. When you got there, as you said, you were raw. I mean, you weren't a guy who had come from a bunch of passing camps. You weren't a guy that had been working with a private quarterback coach since you were eight, like some of the kids do in Orange County, California, and that kind of stuff. You came kind of raw. Tell me about the things that helped you to develop into a, a much more polished quarterback. Uh, when I came in, I was the the last of six other quarterbacks. There were seven of us when I got there. Uh all of them were upperclassmen, juniors and seniors. So, really, I just found one and latched on, and that one happened to be Justin Nard. Uh He was oh. a real student of the game. Uh, he, he taught me basically the ins and outs of the system, and, and quite naturally I just placed the, the system onto a defense and just figured out what would work, how it worked. And I had to watch a lot of film, more film than I've ever watched. High school we watched film, but – in college, it becomes an everyday routine. You watch it while you eat. You watch it in class when you're not supposed to. You you watch it anytime you you have free time. You watch a film, and that's really how it 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 panned out for me. Just watching film, and after that, the footwork part was was mainly the toughest. It's different going from backpedaling to taking a three step drop or a five step drop with a hitch, and it was just a lot different. But working over it, like over time, just getting better, just working hard because you weren't going to learn it just sitting at home. So a lot of times I had to get up and I'd do footwork in my house or in my apartment, and it helped me get better over time. Okay. And you mentioned the system. Uh, obviously, people look at a team and they say, oh, they're running such and such. Oh, shotgun spread. Well, just because you're in shotgun or pistol or whatever and you've got four, four wides or five wides, that doesn't mean you're running the same offense. Like, there's a lot of teams that will run a lot of very complex, you know, very advanced concepts, and some teams that have a very simple version of it. But, I mean, there's a lot of things that go on. 
So let's just take a concept that almost every single team has. Uh, some people call it NCAA concept or post over dig. And you might have a drag on the backside or a hitch on the backside, but you've got, you know, obviously the, the, you know, the eight route with the post underneath trying to, you know, hold the attention of an earnest defender, make room for you to throw the, the post. First of all, how do you guys call that in your particular system? Like, what is that? Because I know people have different names for everything, but what, what, how is that even called? And then how can you tag it? How can you change it if you see something shift or change in your system? Uh, for us, it's basically we're reading the safeties too high. Mm-hmm. You, you typically stay strong with too high, especially if you have a, a post to a dead combo. If we see quarters, that's that's really the, the giveaway. The dead giveaway is either quarters or cover two. And if we end up, we see you roll into man, we'll just tag the comeback backside. A lot of times we mm-hmm. like to go with the, the one-on-one situation and we'll try to hold the backer. If we have twin-twin or doubles receivers, we'll try to hold mm-hmm. that backside linebacker with a hitch or something, just something in his face, and try to give us that one-on-one matchup outside with the, our backside receiver in the corner. Got it. And do you are you are you, are you guys like numbers based? Do you use words? You know, because some places um, will be like. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> we use we actually use car like gas stations for mainly our pathways, oh. and we use cities and stuff for the runs. Oh really? So yeah, call, call a play for me so I can hear what that sounds like. Well, pick a favorite play of yours and just call it. Uh, my, that's my favorite, but it's the one that really gets us out of, out of trouble a lot. Uh, it's a screen. It's like, we'll go like Argun, Larry, Chevron Hot. Larry is just the, the protection. Like it's it's right. a quick slide left. Chevron Hot, it will slide left and they'll go back right. Chevron Hot is just the, the actual screenplay to the right. Okay. Got it. See, that's the thing uh, that, that I get. Uh, yeah. It's that's the funny thing. <laughs> If you're going to hurry up, they want to simplify it. So you don't want to have to say a lot when you're doing hurry up. Right, right, right. And that's that's what things changed. I mean, from my day, you know, because the guy would, you know, it'd be like brown right, slot right. I mean, you have more things to say, you know. I mean, you call the protection, yeah, right. you call the routes, you call the adjustments, you know. And nowadays, as you said, you, you're trying to, you know, make something happen every about 11 seconds or so. You can't be doing all that. Nah. So, Mr. Grimes, tell me about your, your travels up the – as you mentioned, you had a start your career as at Youngstown State, had to make an adjustment, had to make some changes. When your re-recruitment, when you, you know, went back out onto the market again, what were you looking for? How did you make that decision once you were back on the market as a, as a prospect? Um, well, it's it, it quite easy, sir. It's, um, at the time, I'm 22 years old, and I've been in school for a while, and um, – I took that spring semester off and then uh, went to the college, or uh, community college, just to get my grades and stuff. And then that time is training. And once my birthday came in that February and I turned 22, my mindset was um, just, you're 22 now. So everything else fun to you when you're out in California at 18 isn't fun anymore. Everything else fun to you when you're at Youngstown at 20 years old isn't fun. Because now people your age are starting to want to graduate college and, and start their lives. And here you are. Um, 
classify as a, as a first semester junior and you have no school to go to. So it was just easy for me to hunker down and just really just weave through and focus on what I was focusing on. And I was really just looking for a program that could offer me that, just to hunker down and focus on what's important, which is grades, um, my school, graduating, and, and football. And just basically those two things because at the time I was 22. And so in the recruit process, it wasn't really more schools uh, recruiting to me is more of me finding wh where I wanted to go and what um and and make my mindset to like like what everything that was fun back then isn't fun like everything that was cool back then isn't cool no more you know uh, do you really want to hunker down and and um and and play football and go to school or do you want to keep working third shift at Walmart cleaning floors the rest of your life and I mean no no disrespect to Walmart they're a great company but that's not what I saw myself doing and um so. Just just going through those times, you know, that was a really kind of tough period, rough time for myself. Just just trying to see where where I want to go in my life and what I want to do, and find and find what's important and and what's what's fun and what's important, and making those things. And the biggest thing for me was a guy named Kirkland Davidson. Uh, I have to give him a shout out. He plays for the Iowa Born Stars in the IFL. Um, I, I linked up with him and trained with him, and he he told me a big thing, which was like um like he was like. You you can't hang around people that want to do what you which that want to do what you do or you know you gotta hang around people that do what you do you know you gotta hang around people that that, that are playing football that are training that are really working trying to make this make their dream a reality you can't hang with people that are like oh you play football that's cool but this isn't that you know so in the midst of that it was like a lot of my friends and peers and people I was close with and I really just had to like cut those relationships off and it was hard because I come like I said I come from Atlanta so like like where I'm from is like if you turn your back on your friend or whatever you know people are starting to call you fake or saying you're too chaste or whatever you know but right right just getting past all that just to focus on, hey, y'all can stay here and keep that mindset and stay here the rest of your life. But I, I want something better for me and better for myself. And so I found VUL, and they pride themselves on calling their, uh, themselves the second chance school. And, I mean, I went to junior college, went to YSU, and so this is my third chance. So they was the second chance school, but I was on my third chance. And when I got there, I met with Keith Lewis. I met Tony O'Brown, guys like that, and I yeah. made plays and – and focused, and next thing you know, the scouts came, and they looked, and I just kept doing what I was doing. And, and once I got that focus, that mindset in my head, as, like, playing DB and playing football, everything started falling. Like, interceptions started coming. The the punt return touchdown started coming. The kick return touchdown started coming. All the plays that I was thinking and making in my head happened. So it really just me finding myself and getting myself in the right position for that type of stuff to happen. And I'm glad you mentioned that, because I do want to make a transition to special teams. And I'm you know, I can get like those evangelists when I start talking about special teams. If you're a small school receiver or running back or DB or heck even a eight back tight end, if you're basically between about 270 pounds and 170 pounds and you're a small school guy and you come in as an undrafted free agent or even drafted late, you better embrace special teams. Don't endure special teams. Don't do special teams just like eating your vegetables when you're a three-year-old. You need to be the most enthusiastic, into it special teams guy they've ever seen. You need to be a guy that's first there in the special teams meeting, guy who's trying to get on more special teams meetings. Because exactly. if you don't get cut, the reason you didn't get cut was the special teams coach said, I can't, can't lose him. He's on four units. We have to cut this other guy who's on one unit. If I can replace him. I can't replace the guy who's on four of my units. He's on punt coverage, kick coverage. He's on PAT. He's my personal punt protector. Can't lose him. Exactly. Can't lose that guy. 
And that's like one and that's like one of the biggest things that I tried to make sure I put on my film to show coaches that I was on hands team on onside kickoff. I was on hands team on the onside kickoff return. I was on uh, I was a gunner on punt team my junior and senior year. I was uh, uh I, I defended the gunner before I went to punt return my senior year, my junior year I was blocking for the punt returner and so uh and then my senior year I was the punt returner. My my junior year I was a uh, kick returner. But then uh, I also had experience from YSU uh, being on kickoff team, and I was uh, going down there busting wedges. So I played every uh, all I played every aspect, even uh, uh, field goal. This past year, uh, coach asked me to get out there and uh, block on the end to go to uh, right tackle to block for the end on the field goal, and I went out there and did it uh, two games in a row. And I mean, I was I'm only 185, and I'm blocking somebody that's like yep. 250, 270, but I, I did it, and, and I held the tenacity, and just like I was. Yeah. I myself on that because I know like exactly what you're saying. As a small school guy, like for me to make my mark in the NFL, CFL, I gotta come in and dominate on special teams because they're gonna want yep. me to dominate on special teams before they even put me at cornerback or nickel. So I that's and that me having that mindset, like when I went to VUL, that was the first thing on me. Like let me go ahead and, and show the coaches I'm willing to play. Um, for such teams because a lot of guys don't want to do that. And so when I showed the coaches that I want to do that and I'm willing to do that, that gave them more trust in me to win. I was able to play corner and on first first and second down and then third down, I move inside the nickel. And then fourth down, I'm able to return a punt. I'm able to do all that stuff because my coaches trust me because they know I'm willing to put in the work that goes unseen on the kickoff team or on the punt team or this and that that other guys don't want to do. You can ask Grimes, and Grimes is willing to do that, no problem. Yeah, that's how. Yeah. That's is a is a cool part. Go ahead. Yeah, nah, please do. Go ahead. Nah, that's how it is at a small school. That's how I was. That's how I first got my my first tick was uh, on my my sophomore year. It was on kick return. I was on the block team, you know. So you know you got to make your way coming from a small school like through special teams, and then when your time comes, that's when you're gonna actually play your 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 position. But nah, special teams. That's where you got to make your that's. That's where you make your money at too, though. So yep. that's why I put that on my film too. I put a lot of special teams and to, to show diversity. Like, oh, this guy can play special teams. He can do this and that. Like, you know, he he can do everything. You know, so special teams is definitely definitely a big factor in football. So. When you get to camp, when you, if they bring you in for a tryout, they bring you in as an undrafted agent, or even if you're drafted late, that's the thing that's going to determine. Like I said, there's going to be a room full of coaches, and a bunch of them are going to want to cut you. It's, I'm just telling you the God's honest truth. The, way, the reason you come out of that room without being one of those names they decide to cut is because of all the things you can do on specialty. That's how you survive. When you first come into a camp, there might be 105 guys there, and they're all great. People say, oh, that guy sucks. No, that guy is wearing an NFL uniform. He's, he's amazing. Right? The fact that he's – I don't care if he's the, the 53rd on the 53-man roster. They're all great. Yeah. You're talking about three one-hundredths of a percent of the guys who suit up in high school even get to a camp. Less than 1% of the guys who suit up in college get in a camp. In a camp. I didn't say win a job. I said get to a camp. You already yeah. had to pass through all these filters just to – if you were the guy that was there for one day and all you got was um, a laundry bag, uh, the socks, the underwear, and the the T-shirt and shorts, if that's all you left with, you left with most people, most people will never get that. 
when you get to an NFL camp, they're looking for an excuse to cut you. An excuse. Did you run the wrong way? Did you forget something that they just talked about in a meeting? Did you show up late for something? Anything. Anything can get you cut. I'm yeah. just telling you the truth. Exactly. Anything. I remember um, the guy for the uh, the Rams was on hard knocks. He tried to bring a girl into his dorm room, and then the next day he got cut. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, hey, we all love women. It's okay to love women. And, hey, but this is if you can't, for the few weeks that you have this one opportunity, if you can't focus on football for those few weeks, why would they keep you? You know exactly. what I mean? Like, we've got all these I'm, dudes. I'm not taking There's, no chances. Right. There are people who would, who would trade seven years off the back end of their lives for a chance to play football. Right? Exactly. Hey, I'm gonna, in, in exchange for dying at 65 instead of 72. There's guys who would sign up for that right now. I'll do it. I'll do it. Right here, I'll die at 65. There's guys who will, who will do that. So you can't give them any excuse. Any excuse. Now, for you, Kevin, you obviously are playing a very, very highly challenging position. You're playing the position that everybody thinks they're an expert on, right? Everyone thinks they know quarterbacks. Everyone thinks they know, you know, that's the one thing everybody criticizes. Grandma wants to criticize it. Eight-year-olds criticize it. Everybody says, "Oh, that guy did the wrong. Oh, what's he doing?" Right? Uh, take me through what it's like to prepare for a game. You know, from you play the game. You know, on Saturday, you get hopefully you know Sunday off, and then now take me through your week getting ready for the next game. Oh, for us, that Sunday is the the beginning of the work week. That Saturday, we watch the film. Uh, we get the film Saturday night. Uh, we watch it around three o'clock Sunday and we eat and then we have another meeting at seven Sunday night and that's when we go ahead and start. We get the, the overview of the team that we're gonna play. We watch maybe a, a game just to see what their base formation is, what they what they really go to when they when they start off the game, what their defense is gonna be. And each day progresses we get a little more in detail. On Monday, we go out and we polish up on what we messed up on in the game before. And Tuesday, we we start to implement our game plan of what we're going to do against their defense. And then Wednesday is more of a, a work day for us. We we do everything from blitz pickup to inside to skelly to one-on-ones, just getting prepared. And then Thursday is more of just a polish-up day. That's where we, sit, we step back. We do all the drills, but... We're more shell. We go shells basically three days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tuesday is really the full pass day for us. But we we practice at 4:30 on Tuesday and Thursday. It's 4:30 in the morning, and Thursday is really just the the polish up day. But as a quarterback, you have to to try to get more in detail each and every day because come Friday it's game time. Whether you like it, you, come Friday if you don't really understand something, you're not gonna understand it or comprehend it by by Saturday. So you need right. to be ready by Thursday night, Friday, so it's, it's so you can play the game in your mind. Uh, I think it was Corey, Mr. Grimes, he said that he, he, he thought of, he focused in on what he wanted to do, and that's how it started happening. And as a quarterback, you got to play the game mentally. Like, if they give me this front and it's not what we want to run against this front, what do I check to? Or if they give me this coverage, I know this guy's rolling down, and I know – the route that I, the combination I want is on this side. Do I want to throw into that, or do I want to check backside and make sure 
I have something open there. So for us, it's just as a quarterback, you got to get prepared and and you got to stay ready. And all that happens in like five seconds. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah five <laughs> seconds. It's not like you got all it's like uh, that twenty five second game clock. You got you spending eight seconds getting the play in, another four getting ready to to get everybody down. Man. You got to comprehend all that in a span of about five to five to six seconds. Yeah. Yes, sir. I see the guys from the B block are starting to roll in. Hold on for a couple minutes, gentlemen. I have two last questions for the guys in the A block, and then I'll transition. So I'll go back to you for a second, Corey. Uh, tell me about – you've mentioned that, you know, the opportunity to get scouted. Tell me about if you've had contact with scouts and what you might have heard, and then about your sort of postseason all-star game opportunity. Uh, as far as scouts or anything, you know, I'm still trying to get my name out there of that nature, but nobody's really reached out to me or anything like that. And um, So no one's asked for film? Nobody's come after practice to talk to you, things like that? Nah, no, sir. Honestly, nah, which is kind of surprising to me, which is why I'm still trying to, you know, push my name out there myself with the help of, okay. um, you know, like, go, I'm, I got something coming up. I got a, a NFL regional combine coming up that I'm going to go to. So that's going to help me get my name out there more. But as far as, like, the uh, – I haven't got invited to any, like, all-star games or anything of that nature. Really? Man, huh. I just Okay. Huh. So, okay. Surprising to me. That is surprising. Uh, same question for you, Mr. Grimes. Tell me a little about if you had feedback from scouts, what you might have heard, and then about your postseason all-star opportunities. Uh, yeah. Um, well, like, the great thing about VUL is that it's a small school, but it's, it didn't, they didn't produce talent before. So, like, the scouts kind of, like, come to our school um, and, like, just come to see who's the next and, like, just to look around. And so um, by having that, um, the Washington Redskins came to a couple of practices and I talked to their uh, one of their, their area scouts. They also had the Carolina Packers come and the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, all three made visits to our campus and the coach pulled, uh, had me talk to them outside of practice. So I talked to them and um, just the, uh, the Bengals, they told me, that hey, we love your your COD change direction skills. We love uh, mm-hmm. how how you have good footwork, and we love how you get in and out of your breaks, and we love that um, that that you return kicks and punts. That's a big plus. That's what they was telling me and stuff. And even mm-hmm. it, even um, even though I played like I said those three, first three games in junior college wide receiver, just having an offensive mind of the ball. They said like if they asked me would I be open if they were to bring me in a camp and they put me a wide receiver, would I be open playing wide receiver? And like I told them I, if you bring me in the camp sir, I'll be open to doing anything you want me to do if you want me to be the kicker right. or holder. I'll learn so, I'll learn to long snap if that's exactly, what you want. I, I, exactly. <laughs> I'll go back there and long snap if you want me to. So just those scouts they just keep telling me the same thing. Like they love my footwork, they love my change of direction skills, they love my mobility, how I break in and out. They love that I play corner, nickel, safety. But they just want um, the biggest thing they want me to do is like they know that I'm 185, but they just want me to try to get a little bit bigger and stronger. And um, right. um, like uh, like the guy said before me, I got the uh, NFL Regional Combine coming up February 23rd, and that's going to be in Washington. I'm going to the Washington uh, Redskins uh, camp on the site for that one. Um, I have the uh, Dream Bowl coming up next weekend, actually in uh, Virginia. Okay. Uh, the yep. Dream Bowl, and so um, that's uh, Virginia. You got uh, I think two days of practices, and then the game on Saturday, and um, and then I'm uh, I'm going to the Cleveland Gladiators. They have an open tryout, uh, but I talked to one of their recruiters and sent them my film, so I don't have to pay for that. So I'm going up to Ohio. That's January 21st. I'm trying with them, and then um, 
the Toronto Argonauts are having a, a CFL workout in the area. Uh, I talked to one of those guys. Uh, well, I talked to Keith, actually. Keith got me in with that one. So I don't have to pay for that one. There's another one with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that um, I have to pay for. That's $100, and that's coming up later in February. And then I'm going to a pro hunt workout actually next weekend in Atlanta, and that's, like, overseas, and I don't have to pay for that. So I, um, like I said, the next uh, two or three months are going to be real busy for me, and just uh, just continue to work on my back pedal, my brakes, and my drills, and and work on what they want me to, which is like getting bigger and stronger, and just they just want to make sure that uh, my body type, they want to make sure I'm able to take the physicality and the beating of the NFL or pro football, yeah. you know, and um, just letting them know, assuring them that I can't. And assuring them that I can get bigger and stronger, and just showing them. So, um, and another thing with me going to YSU and playing the year that I played there, um, um, they have the new coach, you know, Coach Fleeney. And shout out to YSU because they're in the national championship. So I'm proud of them and those guys, my former teammates. But um, talking to their AD, I'm trying to get in at their pro day. So that's the biggest thing right now. Yeah. Just hoping to get the word back in from them to get get in at their pro day. So I have that pro day and the, re, the regional combine and all the workouts I have, and I, I feel like I give myself a real, real good shot. <laughs> Mr. Grimes, I must give you credit. You clearly have been putting in some work <laughs> to get yourself some opportunities. So yes, sir. Yes, that's, sir. That's the mindset you have to have. I love that. Yes, sir. Um, and then go, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, yes, sir, uh, since uh, the season ended in November, I've just been making phone calls, sending emails out, and just looking up all the area workouts and everything. I'm just trying to be proactive because, like I said, I know I'm coming from VUL in a small school that, that comes from Alabama or State where all those uh, opportunities are plentiful. I'm coming from a smaller school, so you have to be proactive to try to get myself out there. So, yes, sir. I, I give it to you. I mean, I, I you have it. You have clearly the right mindset. And same question for you, Kevin. Um, and Kevin, you and I have talked a little bit about, you know, I was surprised that you hadn't gotten more nibbles in terms of postseason all-star games. So tell me about scouts, if you have had people come take a look at you and what kind of things they might have told you, and then, you know, about your postseason opportunities if you have some. Uh, we've had scouts come to practices throughout the year. Uh, I haven't personally talked to any, but my my quarterback coach has talked to a couple and. It's really what they told me, just the, the weight side, uh, being only 190, uh, they don't know if I'll be able to take the hits of, of the next level. So right now I'm in a recovery period. I had to get my, my shoulder actually repaired. I had a AC grade three uh, AC joint separation in the last game. Oof. I don't know yeah. how I finished the game. Uh, I played through. It was on my non-throwing shoulder, so uh, it hasn't been that bad. It's just it hurts when I sleep. But when you try to get on a sweater or eat, (laughs) yeah, when I take when I lift up to just put my shirt on and stuff, it kind of hurts. It bothers me. But uh, I've already got. I'm out of the swing. I've started rehab, but they put me on a a hyper rehab stage so I could try to get back faster. But I'm out of the swing. I've got almost most of my range of mobility back or range of motion back. It's just Mm -hmm. the strength side of it is not there yet. So. I, I'm starting back. They got me doing aesthetics like push-ups and pull-ups, but I can't do that much because it does hurt. So right, the, the recovery is is slow, but it's it's moving along fine for me. Uh, I got invited to play in the the Spirit Bowl, but I don't think I'll be able to play because I'll only roughly be about 75 to 80 percent, and I don't want to risk me taking another shot on my shoulder and it really 
in anything or any hopes of me moving on to the next level. So for okay. right now, uh, I'm I'm focusing more on getting my name out, just sending my film out, and gaining weight. So you said you're about 199. You're what six one and a half? About how tall are you? <laughs> Now, now I know I know this is a sore subject, but try to be as honest as you can with me, because I have a pretty good eye. I, I, a, pretty... I put on about ten pounds since the end of the season. Uh, oh, okay. I'm about one ninety. I'm one ninety on the dot with with gym shorts on. Okay, just with no shoes or anything. Okay, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and I'm you're six, like I'm six, seven. You're six house off. Sorry, I lost you for a second there. What was that you said, Kevin? I'm six foot seven. Wait, you're six foot seven? Yes, sir. Like, really legitimately six foot seven? I'm six foot seven with two shoes. Yes, sir. So, without shoes and socks, you're like, what, six five and seven eighths? Oh, no, I'm, I'm six seven with no socks and shoes on. What? Get out of here. Yeah. yeah, I'm six seven with with nothing Jeez, on my feet. Please, please. Woo. Okay, yeah, you got to put on some weight, son. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. Yeah, I got. I, I put You're on built like nineteen-year-old Scotty Pippen. <laughs> That's pretty. Tall, oh yeah, yeah, you got to put on some weight. Oh my. Okay, yes, yeah. Sir. Please get bigger. Yes. Oh my. You need forty pounds fast. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've gained ten in about two weeks. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I have, I have some people I, you might need to talk to. I have some people who might be able to help you with that. Um, now, Corey, you are like what five nine and a quarter and like one eighty six. Five eleven. You're five eleven. Are you legitimately five eleven? Five. If if you put cleats on, five eleven. But the last oh, time okay. I, the, the last. Well, I've probably grown, but the last time I actually measured my measured myself, it was ten, five, ten, and three fourths. So, really, okay. Yeah, I'll I'll give it to you. You're taller than I thought you were. Okay, okay. And uh, what are the actual factuals on you, Mister Grimes? Mister Grimes, is LJ still with us? Yes, sir. Yes, I'm still here. Oh, um, okay. What, yeah, uh, what are the actual factuals on you? Uh yes, um my actual size is uh five ten and one fourth and uh one eighty seven right now. Uh late my school. Okay. I'm training yeah, I'm training out here uh, um I'm in Ohio actually right now. You know, training at a place called uh three thirty elite training and uh every day he has me uh weigh myself before the workout and weigh myself after the workout and after the workout yesterday I was one eighty seven but before my workout I was like one ninety two so I I lost like five pounds of water weight during the workout. But yeah I'm five ten, one fourth and one eighty seven, sir. All right. All right. So you're all around the same weight but one of you is built like an NBA two guard. Okay, got it. Um Man. So this is my final question to the guys in my A block. And once again, I thank all of you. You all have been great. You all have been. Uh, I'll you'll get an email following this with some of the questions. Some of them will be similar or the same as some of the things I asked. But I'm building a profile on each one of you, so I just want to make sure I have the answers in writing. And I'll send out a link to the show that you guys were on in that, so you can send it to people or listen to it if you just like listen to yourself and other people. But you'll get that in the email. So this is my last question to the original three, the first three guys in my A block. I'll start. I'll stick with you for the moment, Kevin. 
Uh, I'll start with you, Kevin. So if you, let's just say you're coming back to Tuskegee, you've, you know, started, maybe you started in Canada, maybe you started in the Arena League, but you got your chance after a couple of years, you got a chance to play in the NFL, you, you know, establish yourself. You're coming back to Tuskegee, they're celebrating you, they're retiring your uniform, right? Kevin Lazy Day, you know, and key to the city, all that good stuff, whatever, you know, and having a big old banquet, all the stuff they do. When they, like when Kurt Warner comes back to you to Northern Illinois, they, woo, it's Kurt Warner Day. So it's all like that. Right. Speaking of guys who used to work night shift at a uh, and the uh, and the Iowa Barnstormers, as we brought up earlier, right? Former Iowa Barnstormer Kurt Warner, yep. who used yep. to stock at the Hy-Vee, <laughs> overnight stock at the Hy-Vee, right? So guys can come from everywhere, but they're going to show some of your highlights, like the the plays that really showed who and what Kevin Lacey was in his Tuskegee career. If you had to choose a game that showed really who you were, like the that best exemplified how you played, the toughness, the the intellect, everything that you played with, what game would you have showing on the on the Jumbotron? Uh, it would probably be the Albany State game from this past year. Okay. And why that particular one? Uh, well, I chose that over the Clark Atlanta game, even though I was – 10 for 10 in the Clark Atlanta game. I think I would go with the Albany game. Um, okay. Mainly because they, they they played a lot of man coverage and mm-hmm. just their accuracy side, which I have really been working on, I really think it showed uh, that game. And just just to be able – it was a very physical game. They're always a tough team to play against. Yeah. And I think the, the, the mental side of just knowing that you're going to get hit to be able to withstand those hits and stay in the pocket and not have happy feet. Uh, I went 21 for 26 with three touchdowns. I think I, I think that's really the game that, that kind of propelled me over the, the hump of just people saying, oh, I don't think he could can stand in the pocket. I don't think he would stand the heat. That was the game that I really think showed that my mental toughness had, had eclipsed from what I was the year before. Yeah, I would agree. That was – a pretty special game, and they made you throw into some tight windows. You were getting a lot of wide-open looks. That was impressive. Same question for you, Mr. Rogan. Um, if if there was a game that best exemplified who you were, what you were as a player, what game would that be? Oh, that's a no-brainer. That's this uh, <laughs> this past season, our homecoming, my senior homecoming. Um, it was a close game, but that's the game where I had three interceptions and a pick six to seal the deal. Yeah. Right, and uh, you kind of you kind of won that game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got I ended up being the uh, conference player of the week, defensive player of the week after that. But now nah, I would choose that game because prior to that game, I, it was just so much going on personally outside of uh, you know, football, and then I messed with me mm-hmm. mentally, and then I had to just you know block that out, and then I came back that next game and just had the best game of my career. But nah. Definitely that game because you know it was a tight game. Like my first interception was, it was tight. It was a uh, we were up by three, and the team that we was going against, they was about to score, and it was a third down play. And if they if I would have if I would have deflected the ball, they would have got an opportunity to tie the game with a field goal. But instead, I picked it off, so they didn't got they didn't get a chance to you know to tie the game. So that happened. And then our offense came out, and we and they got a three and out. And then the next drive, I think it was like a minute and 30 or something like that. They were trying to drive down the field to to win the game, and we were playing cover two, and I 
I picked off the ball and ran it back in for six. And, you know, that was a real that was a real uh, big moment in my career at UND. But nah, and then yep. the third pick, the third pick was just again this year. I don't know why they kept throwing it to me after that, but I'm not <laughs> that, that would be an excellent I'm, question. <laughs> I would love to ask somebody about that. Hey, maybe I'm, you should I'm, go with that guy. Yeah, I was. I'm not even trying to sound like arrogant. I was just like, why are they? <laughs> I'll take it though, but like, why are they keep throwing it to me? But nah, the, the third one was just a little fade route, and I just you know ran the route for the receiver and picked it off. But definitely my uh, homecoming senior year, because you know. So, uh, three interceptions and a pick six to win the game. So, you can't. <laughs> As a DV, you can't know. do better than that. <laughs> yeah, that's icing on the cake right there. So, definitely my homecoming game. Yeah, that was pretty ridiculous. And last but certainly, certainly not least, same question to you, Mr. Grimes. If there was, if if there was a, if a scout says, show me the game that will get my GM to bring you in. What game are you you pointing to? Uh, probably my the Jackson the Jackson State game because um, I forgot the wide receiver's name, but uh, number eleven he's like he's in the uh, NFL right now. This is, this is the game for my junior year, um, and um, I mean he's the NFL receiver's in the NFL right now with the uh, I think he's with the Saints on their practice squad. But uh, nevertheless, just just that week, like the week before, they played Alcorn State, which is another D one, and he had like they like ten catches, one hundred seventy seven yards, two touchdowns, and like those cornerbacks were like six. One six two from Alcorn and we bit five ten one eighty five, but like just like the whole week it feeling like dang this guy he's he's six two one ninety five he's quick like he's five ten and like and he runs a four four but he breaks and he but he has the height and length like just tell myself how can I do but just that we can practice like just having just going hard in practice and then just really ready for the game and I had to as a scout show him like this is an NFL caliber guy and I helped him with three catches twenty seven yards no touchdowns. And after the game, he came up to me and said, hey, bro, you got skills. I hope to see you at the next level. Like, and just hearing that from him and just knowing that, like, hey, this guy is a monster, is a beast, is All-American. I held him to three catches, like, and I followed him the whole game. That's another big thing, too. That's the game where my coaches let me follow him all over the field. I'm talking about in the nickel and the slot and the outside and the right side, just, just following him and chasing him and being able to do that in college and doing that against a, a top guy. It's just, like, I didn't get no takes or no – not no PBUs. I'm not that sure of, but um, just just guarding him and having good coverage and the three catches he made, been right there to tackle him so he wouldn't be able to break it off and break for a touchdown. Just and that's an NFL Cowboy receiver and just being able to hold him. So yeah, excellent. Well, let me just say to you, LJ, uh, Mr. Grimes, to you, Kevin Lacey, and I, I, all of you guys, I want to keep in contact. And obviously, Corey, like I said, your tape is some of the most impressive tape I've seen of. I mean, a cornerback at any level of football, you know, whatever level. Uh, and and you, Mr. Grimes, there's a little bit of Malcolm Butler in your game. I've heard, I'm, I'm sure people have brought that up to you before. Yeah, he is physically oh, stronger. A lot, times, a lot of times, people always tell me that Malcolm Butler. I get that all the time. <laughs> it's true. And it's true. I watched Malcolm Butler's entire career, and you've got a little bit of that too. You just need to get a little stronger because uh, they're going to try to bully you. You know, those. You know, there's some big, strong dudes in the air. I mean, Iquan Bulls is going to try to throw you into the stands if he sees you, but, but you've got everything else, man. You get a little stronger, and you'll, there'll be a place for you. So all three of you young men, I want to thank you so much for carving out time. I know this is a time of people with their families and holidays and things like that. So I thank you so much for your time. 
Look for a follow-up email later today. It will have, as I said, a list of questions, some of which we did cover, but I want to have them in writing for the profiles I'm writing up. And there will be a link to today's show. So, like I said, you can, if you have agents or a girlfriend or wherever it is that might want to hear it, you can send it to them as well. Thank you all so very, very much. So I want to thank Kevin Lacey, tremendous quarterback for Tuskegee. I want to thank Mr. Grimes. And, Mr. Grimes, you have an interesting story. I mean, at some point we'll talk more, but I, I, I think – I was going to ask you, obviously, about, you know, the stuff and how you've matured, and it's clear to me that you have changed, that you changed your mindset, and I'm, I'm glad to see that. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Oh, well, thank you. And then, obviously, like I said, Corey, if people see your tape, you won't have too much else to say to them, because <laughs> your tape tells a very good story uh, all by itself. So, thank you, all three of you young men. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, the pleasure's mine. The pleasure's mine. And I see... Yeah, go ahead. I just want to uh, say, Corey and Kevin, I wish y'all two the best of luck, man, with y'all with the draft season coming up in the prep, man. I hope y'all go ahead and chill and do everything y'all got to do, man. I just I just want to see everybody do good, man. That's the type of guy I am. So I wish y'all best of luck and y'all come by and prep and everything, man. I appreciate, appreciate that, you man. too, bro. Hey, you too. You can follow me on Thank Instagram you. at uh, Rogan. There we go. Throw out your – yeah, whatever. Yeah. If you guys I'll, have social I'll media, throw it out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wanna, you know, thank you so much. Yes, if you, have, if you have, hey, if you guys have, uh, you know, Instagram, whatever, Twitter, Snapchat, throw it out there. And before, as you, as you, uh, then I'll, I'll move on to my guys. Thank you for your patience, my B Block guys. I, I, we went a little bit long, so I thank you for being patient. No, I just want to say you can just follow me on Instagram at Rogan underscore twenty two, and then you know, you can go from there. And I appreciate the time and. Good luck to everybody. All right, man. I'll follow y'all. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much, man. Good luck. And once again, thank you, B Block guys, for your extreme patience. I think Tyon is that one of you who's joined us? You too. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Uh, and who just just hopped on about ten minutes ago with me? Um, Norman Darden. Ah, there he is, Mr. Darden. Excellent, 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 excellent. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A pleasure, 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 pleasure. I'll start with you, Mr. Darden. Um, once again, I like to see guys who play hard. Uh, I mean, I, talent is great. Talent is super exciting, but when a talented guy doesn't give you everything, it bothers you, you know? Like, you get you feeling that guy's holding a little something back or maybe doesn't give you everything he has. You, you, you can appreciate his talent still, but you almost – resent it a little bit like, man, as good as you are, think of how good you could be if you would just, you know, push a little harder, give a little bit more. I love the fact that I see you giving it. I see you putting everything out there. Uh, can you tell me, and I guess I have to ask this, what's the story behind your nickname, uh, Mr. Darden? Um, story behind my nickname, it actually came from my, my uncle. Um, when I was little, my favorite, my favorite TV show was Sesame Street. You know, my oh. favorite character was, was Cookie Monster. So, you know, <laughs> and that kind of stuck with me from there on, from there on out. So, it rhymed, okay. and you just started calling me Tookie, and I, you know, and I okay. took Monster. So that that's the story behind that. Okay, got it. So, when did you first get introduced to the game of football? How did you first start playing? I actually started playing the. Um, game of football at an early age, at the age of seven, actually, um, from my cousin, Kevin Brantley. 
he had a football team, and they were very good. I was just so interested in the physicality, and my first position actually was was middle linebacker. Oh, actually, um, yeah. So, and that, and then from, from there on, from there on out, I love the game of football. And it kept me out of trouble, taught me discipline, taught me other characteristics that I need in life to become, you know, just a person. So. Right. Okay. And the same question, same question for you, Tyan. How did you get introduced to the game of football? Um, by growing up, I, I was watching like my cousins, and I like have an older brother. Like they introduced me to the game, and like from there on out, I just like love the game of football, and like it like it really kept me out of trouble. And I, I, I ain't saying I was like a trouble kid. But like, you know what I'm saying? You know how you like younger, you do like stupid things and stuff. And okay. so they, like, right. they occupy my time and stuff. And I, you know what I'm saying? Later on, I just got the love for the game. Okay. And what other sports did you play? Because I know you played a few others. I, I ran track and I played basketball. What position did you play in basketball? I, I did. I played the three. Yeah, the three, I want to say. Okay. But you were a shooter. Yes, sir. But they were, they were moving me around or whatever. Like, like the whole team, like, we didn't have, like, a, like a personal spot. Like, we're just switching out, in and out. And what events did you do in uh, track and field? Track and field, I, I ran the 300 hurdles, and I did the 110 oh, wow. hurdles, and I did on um, 4 by 100 Oh, I ran four by one hundred. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's a an event, man. That's a tough event. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> you start to feel it towards the end. Yeah. You said what? Man. What made you choose with me, or was it something where you got stuck with it, or how many? Now, the high school I went to, probably our most famous 300 hurdler was a guy named Plaxico Burris, who went on to have a pretty good NFL career, and is unfortunately known for an incident at a nightclub, but was a heck of a player at Michigan State and, of course, at Green Run High School. But that's not an event that like most people dream of doing. How do you end up? How did you end up with the 300 uh, hurdles? Um, I was me, me and my teammates like. Like my coach, he like he he always say like, if you play football, you got to run track. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like we used to, like we used to play with the hurdles and stuff. Then my coach, he, he said next um next track meet, he want me to do three hundred hurdles. So I had did it, and I had made a good time. And for there on now, he just he just stuck with it. Well, I just stuck with it, and he made me do it. Okay. Yeah, that'll toughen you up. <laughs> oh man. Okay, got it. So uh hopping back to you for a moment, uh now do people do people who know you now still call you Tookie or is that just like a childhood thing? I actually like the name like I thought it was Dow's when I was <laughs> I'm a kid, but it actually, it still it still speaks to me to the to to the to, to this day. Even so your though, teammates um, and people like that still call you that. 
the teammates, the coaches, even the the announcers on um, Westmoreland, Westmoreland Sports even called me that. So, all right. But what do you what do you prefer to be called? I guess I should find out. I prefer. I I honestly just Tookie. Like at this point. Oh, so Tookie's okay. If I called you Tookie, you wouldn't be upset. Not at all, sir. Not at all. Okay. I was making sure because I'm not trying to get you mad. I've seen how you play. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, it's just a fit for me now, I guess. Okay, got it. So tell me about some of your other interests when you were growing up. What other things did you do? Uh, obviously, football became part of your life at age seven. What else were you into? I actually was into all the sports. Um, I actually played soccer. Play oh, good. basketball. I ran track as well. So those those were the sports that you know that stood out to me the most. Okay. Now, tell me about how things like soccer and basketball and track. And what did you do in track? What was your track event? I actually I ran almost every event possible in track. Four by one. Really. The eight hundred to the sixteen hundred meters. Oh, so, oh, yeah, the 800 I, hurts. I, I, I've run the 800. That hurts. That is a yeah, pain no. race. <laughs> yeah, so I actually, when I was little, um, running um, summer track through middle school, I actually started off on the 800, the 400, the 1600, and as like, time progressed, I, I ended up on the 4 by one and the 4 by 2 So, Yeah, that's not quite as bad. Yeah, yeah. My I'll personal record in the my personal record in the eight was one fifty three nine and I thought I was going to die. Yeah, <laughs> Everything that's hurt. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's more it, it takes a um a strong individual to run those type of events, so oh. <laughs> I'm not gonna pretend otherwise, man. When I ran that last eight of my life at the end of my high school track season, I said to myself, with God as my witness, I will never run that far at that speed ever again unless someone is <laughs> trying to kill me. <laughs> I felt the same way. That's why I, I just I transitioned to the sprint. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. I can. I, that was a smart move. Unfortunately, I wasn't fast enough. We had super fast guys. The our best one hundred and two two hundred meter guy eventually became a U.S record holder, a kid named, uh, he was actually a year younger than, no, I think about, he was two years younger than me. Um, okay. His, this kid, when he was 16, ran the fastest 100 meters of a 16-year-old in the entire United States. He held the age group world record, not world record, but uh, U.S. record at one point, uh, a kid named Andre Kaysen at my high school, who later went on to run track for Texas A&M and was an Olympic alternate in 88 and 92. And okay. so this kid shows up, 15 years old, runs a 10 3 100 meters. Like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to be in that race. Oh, wow. That's not my event. <laughs> I won't be doing that. <laughs> wow. that's, that's amazing. I, I have that's ridiculous. Story. I have a similar story as well, too, with the track, because I come, I came from a, a powerhouse track track team as well. And um, at that time, I had we had a kid named Brandon Myers, which he was a couple of grades ahead of me and he was the like one of the fastest in the um in the country as well. He he went on to run in the, the junior Olympics and 
they they um broke a couple records doing the four on four by one and four by two. So I, I can also relate to that. Yeah, well, it just that's when I realized what I used to think I was fast until I saw that. It's like, oh no, 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 I'm just a guy. <laughs> There's a whole other world that I can't live in. Oh, yeah, uh, some freaks out there. Definitely some freaks oh, out there. That's what you'll learn. And obviously, you having played college football, you've seen guys where you, where you just thought, how is how is it possible I'm supposed to be playing against you? So I'll stick with you for the moment. Uh, so how did you finally get football as your number one sport? Like you did lots of other things, but what – what caused football to finally win your heart? Um, to win my heart, I have to say just coming where I'm from, obviously coming from Texas, football is the number mm-hmm. one thing. It's it's like a religion <laughs> over there. So yep. just doing that, coming up, competing against guys who successfully, you know, played college football and, and pro football, it inspired me and motivated me. Um to, to work hard and, and come out, you know, because I come from a rough environment too as well, and and that's that was the way out for me. So mm. I'm in love with the game, okay. watching football, watching Barry Sanders, um, idolizing Randy Moss and Deion Sanders and the flash they had. Huh. So I, I wanted to be like them. So, so yeah, that's how I fell in love with the game. Those are some good guys to be like, good choices. Those are your, those are your three favorites growing up? Yes, sir. Still is to this day, so. Okay. Gotcha. Same question for you. I'll jump back over to the other side. So tell me sort of the similar question, Tyon. What caused you to fall in love with the game and choose it over the other sports you played? And who were your favorite players growing up? Um, I, I would say... I would say Deion Sanders and who else? I would say who'd you pretend to be when you were a kid? Who'd you pretend you were? I thought I was Deion Sanders and um Terrell Owens growing up. <laughs> <laughs> because no one's like the angry. shy retiring type. So you like the guy who just went about the job <laughs> quietly. <laughs> <laughs> And, okay. and, and those are two dominant, dominant athletes. Uh, I've never seen another human being who could cover ground on a football field faster than Deion Sanders. Yes, sir. I mean, guys would just throw a ball knowing that that guy was open. There's no way Deion would be able to get to that ball. And he would come from the other side of the field covering somebody on the far hash come all the way across the field, undercut a route 40-something yards away, and be high-stepping into the end zone two, three seconds later. Yeah, I, I, I used to try that, but I had to learn my lesson from oh, my early childhood. I used to get beat from <laughs> home, so I had to learn from this. I couldn't do yeah. I could do things again. Yeah. Deion did things that other that you basically that no one can do, uh, quite frankly. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's a lesson a lot of young people probably had to learn. So we all, anyone who saw him play, especially if you were young, how could you not want to do what he did the way he did? If he was, you know, basically style on the football, at least defensively, the style he was style personified. Uh huh. Yeah, the swagger and all. He had everything. He had 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Albums. Yeah, yeah. All these crazy cars. Sometimes he'd drive a car two, three times, sell it, get rid of it, buy another car, drive it a couple of times. He was a little bit, un, you know, he probably looks back on some of the things he did and thinks, well, yeah, it's probably a little bit silly. But he clearly enjoyed his life. Right. So take me from your early days. So, you, you, like you said, you played a bunch of sports. Football sort of won you over. Take me into high school. And how did you adapt to playing high school football? I was dealt playing high school football. Like it's it, it like growing up down here in Georgia, like it's like a little culture culture. And so mm-hmm. like I just got really adept to it. And it, it just warmed me over, like, cause it, it taught me like integrity, it taught me the way to stay disciplined, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it it just it, it just taught me a lot of things by keeping my toolbox. Who were the best players you saw while you were in high school? Either played with them, played against them. Um, I played against. He's in the NFL right now. His name Demarcus Robinson, and I had to guard him. Yes. And mm-hmm. like it, it was a tough, it was a tough situation on my hand because you know, knowing the coaches, like they was just like talking about him at practice. We have a five-star <laughs> wide receiver. You, you got to stop him or whatever. And like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like I. I I took that, you know what I'm saying, offensive, you know what I'm saying. Then I just worked hard at practice. Then the game time came, like, I shut them down. And my coaches, like, they were real proud of me and stuff. And I was proud of myself. Excellent. Same question for you, uh, Tuki. Who were the best guys you saw, and how did you find your way into your role in high school? The best players I saw coming out – Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Oh, he's not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, I have to say, Ann Murray, um, which we played them, and we went, when I was a junior in high school, we went up to Oregon to the first annual, seven on. And we played oh, wow. top teams across the country. So we actually played mm-hmm. high school. And Ann Murray, he was, he was amazing. It, the way the ball came off his hand and it exposed me to like football is real, and um, that definitely now, motivated was, was me. Nelson, was Nelson was Nelson Aguilar on his team? One of his receivers? No, it was actually Orson Charles that I remember. Orson, Orson Charles, yeah, yeah, Orson Charles. So we definitely, um, I played. I also played Matt Barkley in high school too at the Seven huh. So I played some elite competition coming up, huh. and I also had the the best safety on my um on my high school team at the time in 09, which he was the number one safety in America, um, Craig Lawson. So oh. I definitely played around some elite competition coming up, so that prepared me. Yeah, he went to LSU. Yes, sir, he, he did. Okay. So we, what did you learn from that? From He said, I mean, that's a nice num- <laughs> number of names you just rolled off. What did you learn from that? What did you take away from that experience? I learned that it's going. It takes work ethic. Work ethic. You're not the only one working. Trust me. Um, <laughs> people in Alaska running on ice. People in Florida running on sand. And it just taught me, like, yeah, like you think you're putting in enough, but you're not, because it's always somebody trying to take your spot. And there's a million people 
who want the same thing you want. So it definitely mm. taught me work ethic. Extremely well put. Extremely well put. So I'm going to jump back uh, for a moment. So thank you for that. So, Tyon, let me ask you a couple of questions. Coaching matters to you even when you're little, but it becomes really important when you get to high school because the things you learn from your coaches and your coaches' connections and who else they know starts to really affect your life when your recruitment kicks in. Tell me about which coaches had the greatest effect on your life while you were in high school and how did your recruitment play out? Um, I would say my high school, my head coach, and basically, like, he, he knew, like, a lot of people or whatever. He had a lot of connections. And, like, he would just get my name out there, and he was, like, vouching for me. And I would, I would say, like, it went pretty well in my favor, like, because, like, I had went to a JUCO, and, like, mm-hmm. I, ain't really had, I ain't really had a grace at the point, but he still got me to um, junior college, and I played um, at Henderson two years, and I mm-hmm. had, um, great, I had a great career, and I would just say it was great. And for people who aren't familiar with Henderson, because you guys play in, a, I think, one of the tougher conferences at your level, talk about what that was like when you showed up there I mean, junior college, depending on where you are, it can be a great experience or it can be, might be a, a bad experience. I've, I've known guys who've had all kinds of experiences. Some guys loved it. It made them who they are, you know, refocused their mindset. They got their grades together. They got rid of some of their bad habits from the past. And some guys, they found, like, it was too individualistic. There were guys who were like, I know what coach says, but I got to get my stats, you know, guys who would bust assignments on purpose trying to, make a play they shouldn't try to make things like that. What was your JUCO experience like and how did it help prepare you prepare you for college? My JUCO experience it prepared me very, very tough because, like like where I went to at Arkansas Baptist, like it was like in a rough like part of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So it prepared me very well. And like I, I like in high school, like I went real disciplined. Then when I got on to my JUCO, like, I had got discipline, and I had to listen to stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just it just taught me, you know what I'm saying, like, every play, I got to play hard. I don't take no plays off and just play for the whistleblower. And when did you really start to embrace studying film? Studying, I started embracing it in college in my junior year when I had went to Henderson State, it's like, like I, I knew football, but, like, you know what I'm saying, like, it's, it's different things, like, into it, like, for as cornerbacks, like, coming, like, out of different formations, like, what to do, what to check in, what to check out of it. And I just had to learn, like, down in distance, like, be stood in the game and just do what my coach tells me. Now, did they actually ask you to make calls? Did you actually make some of the calls yourself, or how did that work? Oh, me and the safety, like, like we had, like, different um connections, like what we'll do, like different combinations. Like, our coaches, like, he gave us his lead way, you know what I'm saying, like, do what we want to do, you know what I'm saying, like, basically off down distance. So we'll give each other a call, and we'll just make it happen. Okay. Got it. So that's. So they put a lot of the responsibility in your own hands to figure out how to how to take on certain things. 
Yes, sir. Excellent. And I think we've just been joined by another, let's see, who just hopped on with us from the great state of Texas? Darius Hicks. Oh, there he is. Yes, sir. Good to have you. And uh, apologize for any confusion, Darius, about whatever. I I actually know the difference between you and other people. <laughs> just that's what I get for rushing. But glad to have you. Thrilled to have you on. Um, for those who are not familiar with you, tell us about where you're from, and maybe. Yeah, tell us where you're from and then uh, a little bit about uh, what brought you to this point in, in your football career. Uh, I'm from Dallas, Texas, and, I mean, it's been, like, real, a whole lot of stuff, real rocky road. I went to Carter High School from the movie Carter High and, uh, and on Friday Night Lights also. But, yeah, it's called Dallas Carter, and uh, we ran, like, a wing T offense there. And uh, I was like a tight end kind of. We didn't ever go four wide. Or we didn't have any true receivers, and that was my position. And I actually, I was in band before I started playing football. And I played football in high school my junior and senior year, and my mom wouldn't transfer me. And I told her before I even actually started playing for them that I needed to transfer because of the offense we ran. But she kept me there because it was easier for her to keep me there with my three sisters. So I ended up going there, had three catches for 52 yards my uh, senior season. And I had chose. I decided to pick a school to walk on at, and I didn't really know what I was doing because I vision going to like a big D one. I wanted to go to University of Texas. That's what mm-hmm. I, that was my plan. Sure. But uh, like any D one at that point, my senior year when I realized I wasn't getting any offers and stuff, nothing was going my way. But then I decided to uh, just walk on at a JUCO. So I went to a few JUCO camps in the spring of my senior season. And then I uh, just end up picking Navarro College. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but Navarro Junior College. It is a yeah. a very well known junior college program. They've had a lot. They've won some championships in the NG in JCAA. Yeah, that's that's what's crazy. I, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing at all. So I just picked like I didn't know they just won a national championship right before I went. Now that I think about it, it wasn't a really good idea. But uh, I made the team. If I would have known what I know back, uh, what I know now, I probably would have picked a different school. I love my JUCO, though. I love that I went there. It just took me. Uh, I didn't make the team to my fourth semester there because we didn't ever really. They were picking up all defensive players. They never picked up a single offensive guy until they got the new head coach. Then we did one on ones finally. Then that's when I was. Uh, that's when I got picked up, and I did real good in the spring, and they kept me. So I was actually done with junior college, but I, de- I decided to stretch it out so I could play my one season there, and nothing really went my way. And uh, he had his recruits and stuff, and I was a walk-on. And it wasn't that he didn't like me, but because I went to him and I asked him if there was a way I could come back. I was willing to do a fourth year in my JUCO just to play. And uh, and uh, I realized that he was willing to help me because we both went and talked to the AD and figured out if I could play for one more season. I could, but it would have been a waste of waste of time really because I would have had to switch majors and then I wouldn't have been able to transfer that those credits right. to the next school so I would have just been wasting a year just to play. So I just but I actually did get a bunch of D two and NAIA offers from my spring film actually because I didn't even get on get on the field um during the season. It was from practices and coaches were calling me and texting me as for practice film or whatever film I could scrape up. 
and some of my defensive coaches on Navarro's uh, staff, they were helping me get schools also. So, yeah, I got um, like three D2s and I think two NAI offers. So. Okay. And I'm going to ask you how you chose from amongst those offers in just one second, but I'm going to welcome, I believe Mr. Bryant has joined us as well. Not Bryant. I mean, um, Vincent has joined us as well. Yes, sir. Mr. Wilson okay. is here. Excellent, excellent. And Mr. Wilson as well, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Full house. Uh, so I'm going to ask you guys to hold out there for just a moment. I'm going to swing it all the way back around. So getting back to you, uh, Mr. Darden Tukey. Yes, sir. Tell me about the mental adjustments, because a lot of people don't realize how different, how much more complicated the game becomes when you make the jump from high school to college. How much more film study you have to put in, how much more preparation you have to put in, how much you have to learn just to be able to go out and line up in the right place, quite frankly, you know, beyond play, just to make sure you're in the right alignment and assignment. So tell me about that mental adjustment to college the mental adjustment I have to say is like you say, it's the film studying. It's knowing the attention to details to football to your position. Knowing you have to know other positions and what they're doing and how it affects you if you do the wrong thing. And it's all like the game of football is I see why it becomes one. You got eleven guys out there but if only if ten guys doing something right and one guy doing something wrong, it can mess up the whole play. So that's why film studying is so important because you have guys out there with the same talent or superior talent sometimes. So you have to find ways to, to beat that individual. So that's when um, film study becomes important because you have to pick out the tendencies to different um, different schemes, the way the way they move and stuff, so you can beat that defender and be successful on the field. Tell me about a play you made in your career specifically based off of something you spotted on tape. Um, the play I can go back to is when we played um, IUP, um, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and they like to run they, – they don't – they they like to run a lot of man and a cover three and one high, but in particular they run tackle two sometimes. And there was a play which we had wide cross. And I and I saw the um the adjustment with the linebacker when he um just dropped straight back, which that that tells me, oh that's covered that's um Tampa two that's Tampa two, so instead of um staying on my path of a crossing route, I just um I stemmed um the um the middle linebacker and I just set up right in the window right under him, and um that's that's the play I remember and I just remember just watching that on film, um. Every day, you know, I'm doing the week, um, and during for that preparation, I and that was the keys for me, just noticing that type of two, and it finally, and I finally saw it, and I took advantage of it. So, got it. Okay, great answer. And I'll I'll ask that same question, sort of working my way through everybody. So, working my way down across the across the board, uh, from from left to right or top to bottom. So the same question for you. Thinking about, uh, you know, a time in your career time where you spotted something on tape and said, it clicked in your head like, ah, 
you know, tell me about a place you made specifically because something you spotted in tape study. Um, I'm gonna go back to my um, my junior year when we played Sioux Falls um in the playoffs. Like they had a, like a favorite play they used to like like they run like they like they had a formation like they have three receivers on one side and they have a tight end on one side. And I was on, like, the tight end receiver side. And we ran cover two a lot. Then, like, they sent the number three receiver all the way to the, the scene, and they had sent the number two receiver, like, on the post route to um cut between the safeties, so to make the um, safety choose or whatever. Then mm-hmm. cover, two, I was, cover two, I was supposed to drop back. And before, like, during the game, they had hit it with a play or whatever. And my coach had got on to me, and he told me, like, next time they do the play, make it, make it. You know what I'm saying? Then later on during the game, they had – it was about 30 seconds left during the game. Was, the game was tied up. And it was – there was – there was going – there was on the hour 15-yard line, and they had hit a – they had hit a with that play again. Then I had sink back, and I had made the seal interception to, to win the game. Hmm. That's about as good as it gets. You know, we just had Corey Rogan on, who I saw basically win a – I mean, the closest I've seen to a, a defensive back win a game by himself, he stopped one drive that would have put the other team ahead late in the game with an interception. Then his team went three and out. Then the next play, he went ahead and put them ahead too far ahead for the other team to come back by pick six on the next one. And people don't realize guys aren't just playing on instinct or hoping and guessing. A lot of these plays you see guys make is because they recognize something about a formation or a play or something, and they and they said, "I'm because you can't just be out there jumping slants when you feel like it." <laughs> That's the good way to get somebody else played your position because you you can guess right three times and it's all good, but on that fourth time, and it's a sluggo, and that guy's hitting his head on the goalpost and being carried off, you know, by his teammates. There would be some harsh words with your DB's coach finds you. Right. There'll be some some words. You won't like those words. And there'll be a lot of them. And they'll be said very close to you. Very, very close. So, uh, same question. I'll just work. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Somebody said something. Yeah, I'll I'll stick with you. So, Mr. Hicks, same question. Tell me about how film study has changed you as an athlete and about a play that you've made because of your your study, things you've spotted on tape. Well, it's uh, easier for me to – because in high school, you know, I ain't really watch film. And I ain't <laughs> pay attention to Juco. But uh, when I got here at Lincoln, that's when I really started uh, really studying film and watching it on my own more. And I was actually able to indicate how a DB, how, like, learn his technique when he would try to press or uh, what techniques he showed. And, um, watch the linebacker, and, line, and they'll help you figure out what coverage they possibly running. Because a lot of the teams we played were pretty – I mean, they weren't hiding too much. And if if end up to something, most of the time that's what they're actually running. So they really run a cover two, or they might try to disguise it here and there. But most of the time I'll just watch the linebacker, see how – pay attention to him, see uh, what coverage they run. And uh, their favorite coverages, so the top three coverages they run for every team we play every week, i just – go through the film and dissect it and uh, write down the top three covers and go from there. Okay. And same question to you, Mr. Wilson. 
Um, I have to say the biggest thing with film, uh, you don't really pay attention to it in high school, like you said, but at the collegiate <laughs> level, you, you definitely got to pay attention to guys' techniques and what things they favor in different situations. So um, I think when we played Ole Miss my sophomore year, uh, they had a boundary corner. It's pretty handsy, but they usually play the off-one type look kids. And I knew as soon as he came up, he's going to try to jam probably with his inside hand. That was the one he used a lot in recent film. And I used that that film watching to know when he's going to throw that jam. And so I was able to bat his hand down, swim technique, and, and get past him for about a 40-yard bomb. So that, that was probably the thing you think. <laughs> I was gonna say you picked an interesting choice because that's obviously that's a team with a bunch of four and five star athletes, a bunch oh, of guys yeah. who get drafted day one. Exactly. What was that like facing a bunch of guys that you know people have heard of? Um, it, it's good. It's exciting to play in those environments. You know, me playing at an FCS school, Division One AA. It's, it's nice to jump up to to the Big A schools and, and see that talent. But it's also good to see where you're at. And you can evaluate yourself with how you perform against those top-rated guys as well. So, okay. And last, I believe last, but certainly not least, Mr. Vincent. Same question. Uh, tell me about how film study changed the game for you, and what things did you learn from it? How did you get better? And, and tell me about a play you made based on something you spotted by studying film. Um, I mean, it, it, it's it's a big jump from, from high school to college, you know. Um, I, I'll say in high school, I didn't I didn't really study film that much, but, you know, as a team, we did. But in college, like, on my own, by me playing on the line, like, the, the key things I'll be, I'll be looking at is, is the O-line, you know, the, I call, I call it a SWOT analysis, where I go, where I look for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. You know, and I and I and I and I'll I'll see, you know, what stance he have on the run play, what stance he have on the pass play, what stance he have when he reach blocking, you know, base blocking, and um a play, uh the last game we played in the scene we played Austin brought us, and um I noticed that every time, um they would be in a um a eleven personnel, like they mm-hmm. like to run. They like to pull that uh, uh, guard, and and they pull pull the guard and the tight end. They'll run like a stretch play, and and that's that's one play I know that 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 helped help my team out and helped me, you know, make make a play to to, to put us in position to, you know, win the game. Now, a lot of people don't understand how key communication is on the lines, offensive and defensive lines. Guys get beat sometimes because not because they're not a good athlete or they're not smart or not tough or whatever, but they didn't get a call. They didn't get an adjustment. Tell me about how you guys communicate because it's, you know, it's loud. You're only a few feet away from the other team. You can't just say certain things right out loud. So how do you guys communicate? It's a question for me? Yes. I'm sticking with you for the moment, Mr. Benson. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean – Man, it's tough, man, because cause, like, <laughs> yeah. especially you talking about you get down and you, when you get to like the third and fourth quarter, your linebackers get tired, you know, and, yep. and, and sometimes 
the coaches they 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 are, they'll be sitting they'll be waiting on the formation to, to give out the signal. So sometimes like on the D line we'll communicate and we'll just run a play. You know we'll we'll just say just run base or we'll we'll call text. You know we'll run a stunt. You know just 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 so we could you know be able to go full speed and, and without hesitating. You know because because every play counts. You know, one bad play could be a touchdown, you know. Yep. All it takes is one guy not filling a gap or taking the wrong shoulder. I mean, people say, and, you know, we've all seen the Al Pacino speech in uh, in any given Sunday. It's a game of inches, right? We've all seen it. But it's all too true. I mean, I was not a great player. In fact, I was a pretty, you know, below average player. But I studied the game Hard. And the few times I got to play, which wasn't often, I made sure I made I would I would just oh I'm driving myself crazy like well you know maybe I'll get a chance to play and if I do I'm going to do this this and this because I've seen guys literally an inch shade an inch too far this way or an inch too far that way and now somebody gets the edge on you or somebody is able to 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 turn you because they got that one inch you know uh, fixes that inch. And now some guy is, like I said, you know, getting, you know, kissing cheerleaders and getting cheered and, you know, goal lines and headlines because of that inch. It's it's a tough game, but you can you can definitely, whew, yeah. The more you learn, man, the more you learn. There's so much to learn about the darn game. It is a all-consuming obsession, you know. And I I applaud you all for having worked hard enough to even get to this point, because think about it. Think about how many guys, somebody was talking about they played with New Keith Richardson, right? New Keith was this big time, you know, super well-known, five-star, all this foolishness, and he got in trouble and never got out of it, really, you know? I mean, this is a guy that should be playing on Sundays. I don't know where New Keith Richardson is now, but he's not playing on Sundays. It's all a series of decisions. So we have a, do we have two Texans on the show now? I know, Mr. Darden, you grew up in Texas, and we have... Was it you, Mr. Hicks? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we have two Texans. We have two Texans. Uh, and one of you already mentioned how Texas is basically the the other church that everybody goes to is football in Texas. I mean, people, everyone in Texas has two religions, you know, whatever church they go to and then football. Yes, so, sir. right. So Texas football, everybody talks about it. Um, I'll stick with you then. So, when, when you try to explain to your teammates who are from other parts of the country about how Texas football is different, what do you tell them? What do you tell them about Texas football, Darius? Oh, I say, I mean, to me it seemed like here, because I'm in Missouri right now, it seemed like they don't really take it as serious as us. And it kind of, <laughs> like, gets to me because a few of my teammates are that way, but that's just – that's this team. That's another conversation. But I, I can tell, like, the, the passion and love for the game isn't there. Like, in Texas – everybody's like I said when I was walking on Navarro while I was walking on it was so many guys that weren't on the team but were outside mm-hmm. on the field like you never had to ask anybody to hit the field with you growing no. up I go, go go outside it's automatic for I mean we might hoop I didn't really hoop but we might hoop but other than that it was automatic that we played football like no questions <laughs> asked it's just it's so, seen... it's different I've seen women who were probably 70 years old get into a fist fight in a parking lot over high school football in Texas. I'm not kidding when I say this. I'm talking about granny punching it out. (laughs) 
No, and then um, here, I mean, here they don't, their high schools don't really have, like, they have nice stadiums, and then they, it'll be, like, a decent stadium. They'll be like, man, it's a big stadium. I'll be like, bro, that's that's a practice field in Texas. Like, you know, they're, they're like, <laughs> Allen High School, multi-million-dollar stadium is better than some of the D1. $60 million, uh, a $60 million high school facility. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's why I said everybody got an indoor. Unless you're an inner city school, everybody got an indoor field at their school, bro. That's that's normal out there. <laughs> man, y'all are nuts in Texas, man. I got to give it to you. That's just crazy. Yeah. I, my, I, my college facilities couldn't touch what Allen has. It's crazy what they've got. Oh, something, something a little bit different. So... You mentioned, obviously, Navarro, um, extremely well-known. Uh, I mean, Navarro had a, has had legendary coaches coached there before. A lot of the guys who've made it to the NFL who went the JUCO route, if they didn't go to somewhere in Kansas like um, Hutchinson or um, uh, Fort Scott or uh, uh, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Um, Coffeeville. Coffeeville. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Coffeeville. Exactly. If they ended up in Texas, they, a lot of the best JUCO guys came out of Navarro. So tell me, what was the Navarro staff like? Because as you said, they had no lack of guys wanting to play there. It was, they, they didn't have to work too hard to find talent. What, what was the, how did the staff treat you? What were they like and what did you learn from the guys at Navarro? I, I love the staff there. Uh, like I said, I mean, my head coach, actually, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. I haven't talked to him since I left in 2013. But, um, I mean, I had my – my things with him, but overall they weren't a bad staff at all. Besides him, one he was like the quarterback coach, the receivers coach, and the special teams coordinator. I didn't have a problem with. It. Other than that, the whole staff was actually great, from the defensive coordinator down to the DB coach. Uh, uh, we did have a receivers coach, but he just didn't have like the power and stuff. I don't really know how to explain oh. it, but but yeah, it okay. was. I lo- I love the staff there. Okay. I was thankful to uh, get a chance to play with them for what two semesters. Okay. So, do you feel like that helped you in terms of when you finally did get your college career going? Did do you feel like they, even though you didn't get a lot of time and a lot of attention there, did you still learn things? Yeah, because there were so many athletes there that I played with that went on to D one. And a few of them are getting NFL looks because we are pretty much finishing up at the same time now. But yeah, a few of them getting NFL looks, and and we got two players. Two of my teammates went to Texas Tech, uh, a DB and a receiver. Some of them went. One of them went to Texas. They just all over the place, and it just really helped me because I was in practice with them every day, competing against them, making plays on them. We were making plays on each other, like so. That level of competition helped me a lot. Got it. And I, I didn't get a chance to ask you this before, Mr. Vincent, so I'm going to swing back around. Tell me a little about your, your, your high school career and how did your recruitment process come about? How did you end up figuring out where you were going to continue your, your collegiate career after high school? Yeah, I, play, I played in um, Miami, Florida, played at Miami Jackson City High School. And um, coming out of high school, I was talking. To, I was talking to a good much schools, you know, like the locals, FIU, FAU, you know, right. University of Miami, a um, couple of out-of-state schools. Just I, I didn't, I wasn't no qualifier coming out of high school, but I kind of 
it it, it kind of hurt my 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 opportunity to 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 sign that letter of intent, you know, to go to a Division One school. So I wind up taking the JUCO route. You know, I wind up uh uh my first my first year playing at uh Fresno City College, and second year I left uh because of uh financial situations to to Pima Community College for my for my um, last JUCO year. And I and I played out there. Okay. And how were those experiences different at the two locations? Man, uh, I, Fresno City College, man, I really liked it out there, man. It, it, it was a good atmosphere. I mean, you know, obviously California football. I I, I felt I felt as if uh, era, as far as like competition, I felt like Arizona. Pima Community College had more comp just because it was it was uh, 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 guys from all over, you know, guys from Florida, you know, guys from Texas, and and and, and those guys were like, you know, top guys. Like like we, we played schools like Snow College that was ranked like um, number two, number three, you know, sometimes yeah, they're one. They're ridiculously good. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, always good. Yeah, we no, play, yeah, we they have all those giant, all those giant Samoans and those three hundred and thirty pound dudes. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, one of the one of the linemen that I used to go, he he's projected to go uh, first round. Uh, Jared Bowles, he played for Utah. Yeah, and I and, and my teammate uh, Kendall yep. Huey, he plays for Utah also. So, you know, it just I, I just felt like it was just better competition playing in the Arizona conference compared to the uh, California conference. Okay. Who are some of the – you mentioned some guys already, so if you go down that path, I'll go down a little further. Who are some of the – other than the guys you already named, who are some of the best players you played with or against? High school or college? Both. Yeah, give, give me any anybody both? you, you face. Yeah, both. Honestly, High school, I'm, junior I'm, college, college. I'm from Miami. I'm from Miami. Yeah, I know. And I, and, and, and I played with guys like Levante David for the Tampa Bay Bucks, you know, uh, Stanley Jean Baptiste. You know, my 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 buddy yep. he plays for the Jets, uh, Randell Johnson. Um, I remember uh, Amari Cooper, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, guys like those when I, coming out of high school. Um, right. College, um, you know, uh, Kendall Huey. Um, couple of guys that that went D one. Um, that, that played for North Texas, like. Dontavis Volkman, um uh my computers. I it, it, it's, it, I play with a lot of guys, a lot of lot of good, good, yep. good competition, a lot of talent, you know, that that's all that's all over in the league, CFL and at Division One schools. And Mr. Wilson, I'll ask you the same question. Who are some of the best guys you played with or against in your life? Um I have to say the best DB I played against would have to be a uh, safety, Cody Pruitt out of uh, Old Miss. Ah, uh, he yeah, for me it was. Yeah. He was a uh, huge, like six three, two twenty five, two twenty seven. Yeah, he's a huge yeah, dude. Yeah, huge, huge safety. Um, he was definitely one that sticks out. Also, uh, Walt Akins, probably the best corner I played against at uh, Liberty University. He got picked up by uh, the Dolphins. About the third yeah, or fourth round, I believe. I'm a fan of his. Yes, I'm familiar with Mr. Aiken. Yeah, he, he was this okay. long, rangy, athletic 
corner that was about six two, two ten. So he he was one of those just freak athletes. Played basketball and football, so those two guys were, were definitely two that I'll remember. Okay, and I'll just work my way through the board. Everybody can tell me about the best guys they've ever lined up with or against. Um, same question for you, Mister Hicks. Uh, who are some of the best uh, guys you've ever played with or against? My teammate, uh, high school, DeAndre Ellie. He plays for the Seahawks right now. Yep. Uh, at cornerback, that's who I went with. Went, uh, and then Juco, he went to Colorado State, right? Yeah, he went to Colorado State. And uh, and my JUCO, it was Devin Lauderdale. He plays receiver. What well, played receiver for Tech? He just finished up his senior season. Those yeah. are two of the best guys. Man, he's super quick. Yeah. Real fast, real agile. But yeah, overall though, the best athlete I've ever played against was DeAndre Elliott though. Okay. Another guy with some length to him. I remember him quite well. And uh Mr. Darden, who would you say were the best players you've ever played with or against anywhere, any level of football? Uh, I would have to say um, in high school, actually, like I said earlier, I played with um, Craig Lawson. Yeah. I also played against Josh Huff, um, third round pick for the um, for the Eagles, which he played with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I believe. So. Mhm. Um. Oh, that's that's all I can um just really just name. No, look, they'll they'll do, <laughs> they'll do. Those are some decent guys. Uh, and same question, I guess, I think, Ty, you're the last one I haven't asked that question. Who were the best guys you've ever played with or against in your career? Um, I would have to say in my junior college, um, I played against um, D.D. Westbrook. And oh. in high school, <laughs> I wanted to say, um, what's his name? Dang, what's his name? I forgot his name, but he played wide receiver. Okay. Well, let me go back to D.D. Westbrook for a second. Um, what was that like, facing facing uh, young D.D. Westbrook? Man, he just quick, agile. He make you think, you know what I'm saying? And he mm-hmm. just, you got to watch plenty of film on him. And, like, sometimes you got to just mess up your game with him. <laughs> and just do what you're taught to do, what coach do. Yeah, right. Yeah, he might be the best route runner in college football right now. Yes, he I, is. I, I, I love watching that kid. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't he changed one bit. <laughs> <laughs> that is an explosive – I mean, sometimes we'll compare him to Antonio Brown. I, I don't know if he's quite the competitor, though he might be, than Antonio Brown. If Antonio Brown's all those guys that feel slighted. And Miami, right? Somebody brought up Miami, right? Another South Florida kid. Um, he felt slighted. He always felt like the big schools should have come after him, and they did. Then he ends up in Central Michigan, has a very nice career, then doesn't go until the sixth round, felt slighted, angry. Is way down the depth chart when he first gets to Pittsburgh. They had all these other guys that, you know, are ahead of him on the depth chart. He's mad and having to play special teams, and he's playing special teams mad. And, you know, eventually they – 
let him get in some reps with the twos. He's killing everybody. And then let him get some reps with ones. He's killing everybody. And it's like, oh, well, maybe this guy can play. So, yeah, you 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 can watch a guy, you know, who clearly has that mindset that, okay, you don't you don't believe in me, I'm going to make you believe. That was an Antonio Brown guy. And, yeah. you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Didi because he's, he's – that's he's no fun, man. That's, that is a tough dude to um, – cover. I've seen some very good corners get turned around and embarrassed, frankly, by D.D. Yeah. Westbrook. So I look he forward played, to seeing what happens with the next... He playing different positions, too. Like, it's just hard to cover. Yeah, he can line up in the slot. He can line up in the X. He can line up at the Z. He doesn't care. <laughs> he can he can cut off his inside foot. He can cut off his outside foot. He knows. He plays. Whatever he thinks is going to get him open, he's going to do that. The thing that some people ask is if he's tough enough, and I'm willing to bet you have the answer to that because he's not the biggest cat in the world, but he doesn't seem to shy away from contact from what I've seen. What, what did you see when you played against him? Um, like you said, like he he, he really don't like to get tackled, so he's gonna use his speed. He's gonna use all all the things he's doing about like to just get open, you know what I'm saying, and just make a play for his team. Yeah. He knows how to get open. <laughs> yeah. He definitely knows about getting open. Oh, so we have a blue hose, if memory serves correctly. That's what Presbyterian is, correct? Yes, sir. We do have a somebody. Yeah, okay. I thought we had we had, we had a blue hose with us. That that is Presbyterian, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, just making sure. Tell me about the staff there and what arriving there was like for you. I mean, how it contrasted with other places you played and, and what the culture was like around the program? Um, well, it was – they were in the transition. They just turned mm-hmm. uh, Division One about four or five years before I got there. So, yep. they still trying to fill everything out. weren't able to go to the playoffs or whatever for that, that transition period. But a lot of new young coaches. Um, the head coach was a graduate from PC. Um, but we got we got a lot of new good coaches. We had a – Coach from Furman, he was the all-time leading receiver there. Played for Pittsburgh a little bit. His name is Adam Mills. Um, he came in, was a receiver coach, had a defensive coordinator, used to be the head coach of PC when they had Division Two. Then he turned our defense into top three defense in the country in FCS. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of young, new coaches, kind of a fresh start there at PC when I got there. Okay. And did the coaching staff, do you think, I mean, I'm trying to ask this in a way that doesn't sound loaded, but there are some coaching staff that clearly they they have certain guys that they already like, and it takes a while to sort of shake their mindset loose to be open to other guys, either because that's a guy that, you know, maybe somebody they know had coached before, maybe they, you know, there's all kinds of things that go into a coach's decision-making. Right. Right. Did you find that the coaching staff there was open-minded in terms of seeing every guy giving an equal chance, or were there, did you have to sort of fight through, you know, perception they may have of someone else being better than you? Oh, uh, most definitely. Um, you know, every coach can say, I don't have biases, or I don't think... Yeah, all coaches have up. biases. They yeah, can't they help all, it. <laughs> yeah, they all have their favorites in the back of their mind. They're not yeah. going to say it, but they, but they already know, but... They gave everybody a fair shot. I mean, if you, if you came in and worked your butt off, you know, and, and did what you had to do and make plays, then you were going to see Tom on the field. So that was just my mindset coming in, and thankfully it worked out for me. Okay. 
that same question for you, Tyon. You've played for different coaches, different places. When you finally settled in when you got to college, did you have to fight through sort of some perceptions or favoritism or whatever, or was were they pretty open minded? Oh, they were pretty open minded. Like they was they was on that type. Like if you work your butt off, like any anybody can start. So like okay. the whole time I was just working, and I um, got the starting job. Excellent, excellent. And what were some of your responsibilities? Like what? There's different systems where you're asked to do different things. In your system, what did they ask of you? What were you expected to do? Um, my responsibility is like as a corner, not to get beat deep, <laughs> and just like when the run, like in different situations, like we got the, like I told you, like we got to check in and out, like men and safeties, like we got communication, like mm-hmm. we communicate with each other, and we're just responsible for that and making the right calls in the right time. Okay. And, Daryl, you're a guy that had to fight for your football life, basically, at various points, to be perfectly clear and honest about it. What what did you find when you finally settled in? You finally found your college home. How was it for you in terms of trying to actually get playing time and things like that? Uh, is this the me? Yes, Daryl. Yep. Um, I, when I got there, I was, the, I was the first receiver they took off their board, so – for me, it wasn't as difficult to see oh, playing time, okay. and they had already had a senior that graduated in the slot position. And they told me and I came in, I played a little inside and outside. So it was just about, you know, getting in the playbook, learning that stuff, learning the offense, getting with my quarterback, and, and then everything smoothed out from there. But other than that, it wasn't, for me and my personal experience, it wasn't too too difficult. I'm good for you. Yeah. It worked out. It worked out well. Okay. And next, same question to you, Mr. Vincent. Same situation. When you finally, you know, found your home, you'd been through the junior college experience. Well, two, you went through two junior college experiences, and you finally find your home. Now, I mean, before I get to that, sorry, let me back it up. So, in your re-recruitment, right? You've been at one junior college, now another junior college. What were you looking for? How did you find your home when you finally found your, your place to play the next few years? Uh, honestly, man, I, I I was just, with with the whole recruiting process, I was just uh, looking for somebody that was going to pay for, for my education. You know, that's what I was thinking of when I was picking my school. Um, and I, I wanted somebody that had a, a good program for for my degree, so basically it, it, everything had to do with uh, education and um, financial, you know, stability. So um, that's that's what that's what made me make my decision to go to the school that I'm at because they, you know, it's a Division two school, but you know they they pay for everything, you know, so. That's kind of how I ended up at the school that I'm, that I'm at. I'm okay. playing. For and what? And what? What? I'm what is your academic major? What is your academic major, uh, Mr. Benson? It, my 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 major was accounting. I had I had to change it. I changed it to business administration with an emphasis of marketing. So, you know, that's that's what I'm um about to get my degree in um after the spring semester. 
is everybody? I'll just ask sort of everybody. Is everybody on track to graduate? Is everybody about to graduate in the spring? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Excellent. That's the way to do it. Now, I'm sure you've been told this before by your mama, your grandmama, somebody. Football's over quickly. If you're lucky, you might play until you're about 30, if everything works out well. You still got to do something for the next 40-some-odd years or 30-some-odd years of your life. Definitely. I know you've been told this many, many times, but get your degree. Well, no matter what else happens, get your degree. So I'm glad to hear you guys are on track to graduate. It's super important. Uh, for one thing, I mean, you're always one play away from it being over. I mean, I hate to put it that way, but everybody knows that. Every Everybody out there knows that, right? Even the guys who were projected to be in the first round. I mean, look at, you know, I hate to bring up Marcus Lattimore, but look at Marcus Lattimore, right? Guy was in the Heisman Trophy contention at one point. Guy was, you know, going to be the first running back drafted. And it took one play, you know, and he still got to, you know, collect some game checks with the 49ers and things like that, but he never got a chance to play. So having your education, that's for life. You know, we all love football, but football's over very, very, very quickly. I mean, you get, what, Adam Vinatieri, uh, Brett Favre, those guys come along once every 50 years, 20-something years, guys who can play 20 years. I mean, it's, it's impossible to, to find a guy who can play 20 years. Those guys are extremely rare. Even 10 years is a minor miracle, right? If you manage to play 10 years, you have beaten the odds so many different ways already. Heck, the fact that you guys got to be scholarship athletes, you beat the odds. You can you need to think of guys that you played with in high school who were good enough to play college ball but didn't. Whether it be grades, getting in trouble, lack of discipline, not being coachable, whatever. Lots of tremendous high school athletes don't play college ball for whatever reason. So you've already beaten the odds once. Now you've got to try to beat the odds one more time. And we're going to sort of make that transition to that. So once again, we have two Texas guys. So where football is, like I said, a religion, a place where 70-year-old grandmothers just fight in the parking lot over football. Uh, I'll start with – I'll go back to you. Um, so, Darius, what are you working on? What do you have to get better at so that you can be a professional? I'm trying to well, – my biggest thing since I left high school, since coming out of high school, was speed. Like, I was always worried about my speed. So, right mm-hmm. now, I'm just uh, – and I've always focused on field work. So routes and cone drills and feet work and catching the ball. But uh, my biggest thing right now I really want to focus on is I have to get faster, which when I actually got here to Lincoln, um, that's when I realized how fast I was. Like, I'm not blazing speed. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm not as slow as I thought I was. And this is because I (laughs) continuously ask teammates, coaches, and I know everybody can't be lying to me like this, but I'm not as slow as I thought I was, but I still don't think I'm fast enough. So that's my okay. main focus is getting my speed. Now, have you ever actually been timed in the 40 yet? Have you ever, I know some guys don't even, you know, get timed until they get to, like, a combine or a pro day, but have you have you actually put the clock on yourself? No, not – not okay. My coach, uh, the, my coach I still work out with when I go home – uh, he timed me at a four five four. This is last summer, summer of twenty fifteen. But other than that, I haven't officially been timed since I went to like a Nike Spark 
uh, camp coming out of high school, it was like a four or seven something. It was kind of bad. Right, and that was when you were like 17, though. Yeah, I was 17. Right, so that was – You're a very like different athlete now. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you're a different athlete. You've probably added three, three and a half inches to your vertical. You probably weigh – you probably have 20-some pounds of muscle more on you now. Oh, actually, let's start with that. What is your official height and weight now, Darius? 200 uh, – oh, and, uh, when I weighed in at this bowl game a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, <laughs> I was 6'2". And right now, I stepped on the scale the other day, actually yesterday, 209 pounds. So – I ran okay. from 205 to 209. Oh, the heaviest I've been was 216. I was 216 oh. this summer. Okay, so you're you're a big bodied guy. I mean, to some extent, you can wall them off. You can, you know, you can. You're 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 a good size. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Uh, same question for you, Tyon. Uh, what do you need to work on? What do you need to get better at to be a professional? and physically prepared, and I need to work on my speed. And as for cornerbacks, like, I need to work on my footwork and just, like, knowing, knowing the game itself. Okay. And what are your actual factuals in terms of things like height and weight? How how much do you weigh now? How tall are you? And, and have you been timed in the 40 before? Um, yes, sir. The last time I was timed, and it was about three weeks ago at my school, and I had timed mm-hmm. in the 4'5". And my height, I'm 5'9", and I had weighed myself yesterday. I was 185. Okay. So you're you're basically a slot corner, I mean, in terms yes. of what people will see you at. Right. Okay. Okay. Got it. And Mr. Darden, uh, Chucky. Same question. Uh, what do you need to work on? What are you trying to get better at? And uh, official, actual, factuals in terms of height and weight. Um, I see. I say, as far as what I need to work on, I, I just feel like I need more reps. Um, the, the more reps I get, I feel like the better I get. Um, far mm-hmm. as just learning the the whole art of just the route running and just how to um play receiver because it's it's more to it than what people think. It's just um, going outside doing drills and stuff. Live manipulation, route deception, using your stem, using your hands, using your head, knowing when to attack a guy physically. Who who can you overpower? Who can you run away from? Who can you make bite on something? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, sir. sir. Like, guys who were just straight fast, I was a defensive back. And guys who were just straight fast, I could handle them. The guys that gave me trouble were guys that would make you think one thing and then do something different. Those are guys I hated playing against. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I feel that's that's the biggest thing for me, just just learning how to beat people different ways and, and continue to perfect my craft. Cause that's, that's the biggest thing because everybody's just, a, just as athletic as you. Um, what you going to do? Like, how you going to beat them? You know, so yeah. that's that's the biggest yeah. thing. And far as my yeah, when you get to an NFL camp, it's a freak show. Yeah, it's just all freaks everywhere. Yes, yeah, it's, it's all it's freaks everywhere. So you know, that's the biggest thing. You got to beat them in different okay. ways and varieties. And, so um, okay. Yeah. And, and what's your official height and weight now? What do you what do you weigh? What do you how you how you measure in now? Yeah, my official height and weight is about six and a half, one hundred and sixty-two pounds. Um, even though you know I'm smaller, a smaller receiver. I'm also um I'm very strong. I can bench press two twenty five, eighteen, nineteen pounds. 
Did you say 18 or 19, John? Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> I'm just making sure I heard you correctly. Well, you know, if you know what I'm asking, I'm going to stay with you for a moment there. So do you know what you might be able to to squat? Squat? Um, I really haven't squatted that much like that, but I, I have. Um, We did max size squatted um, four, four or five, like six or seven times. I don't really be on the squat like that. Um, more so of an outside guy. I, I love putting in work in the weight room. Um, I okay. feel like my speed, like, Four four four, but I'm trying to get it down to a four three, low four three. So, okay, <laughs> all right. Well, I mean four four will do, but yes, uh, obviously everybody wants to. I guess would it be fair to say all of you are trying to get faster? I assume everybody feels like they can get faster. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was in that department. So, yeah, yeah. getting yeah. better as a football right. player, more so for me. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, they, the thing that you'll find, I mean, it never hurts to be fast, but it's the mental processing that's going to wash guys out. When you get into an NFL camp, every time you'll see this, you'll see some guy who looks amazing, moves around like, you know, like a, a jackrabbit, and he's huge and ripped and everything, and then the playbook kicks in, and that guy <laughs> is gone the next day. I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, you'll see some guys who just the playbook. An NFL playbook is nothing to sneeze at, man. It is a ridiculous thing. I mean, you want to play for Bill Belichick? All right, go ahead. You know, you might want to get your rest because you have to be a football genius if you want to play for Bill Belichick. I can think of guys who got drafted in the first round who ended up getting shown the door. I'm not even joking. Look up the career of a a safety named Brandon Merriweather from Miami, right? Number one safety in the country, supposedly. Couldn't play for Bill Belichick. Couldn't, Couldn't grasp the defense. His head almost literally melted when he saw what they wanted him to do. Because not only not just are you playing for Bill Belichick, you're playing safety for Bill Belichick, which is like playing four different positions the way Belichick coaches. <laughs> I mean, you better come with it. You better you better be a football junkie. You want to play for Bill Belichick? You better be a football junkie. You better you better have an understanding wife or girlfriend. You better have parents that don't that. Don't mind not hearing from you for a while. You better have friends that, you know, just know you care about them because they're not going to see you. You want to play for Bill Belichick? All right. Okay. It's not all fun. Just want to let you know this now. It ain't all giggles. It's, it, it's a long night, long, hard night. You're trying to figure out, I mean, just the stuff. That, I can think of two Superstars, or guys who are supposed to be superstars that ended up not making it there. Oh, I'll add Chad Ochocinco. Three, because there's three guys who would have should have been superstars who just couldn't play. They couldn't understand the, the playbook. Chad, right? Guy had been an all-pro. Couldn't understand the Patriots offense. He was used to just kind of getting open, right? So where he'd been before, I mean, no offense to anybody, but he, when he played within the Bengals system, they would kind of say, well, Chad, you know, you do such and such. And Chad would kind of do his own thing, you know. Well, I'll do this, but I'll, I'll be in the right general area. You can't do that with the Patriots. When Tom Brady's back foot hits, you have to be exactly here, this far from the hash, 17 yards downfield. I mean, you can't be close. Tom doesn't want you to be close. That is no. And in the defense, I mean, you – 
you can't take a wrong step. You can't hesitate. You can't punt. You can't bite on a head fake. Not if you want to keep your job. Malcolm Butler is starting for the Patriots. Do you know why? Who, who knows why Malcolm Butler is starting for the Patriots? Special teams. Do you know why? Special teams. Who said that? Tyon. Yes. Tyon, you couldn't be more right. They didn't bring him in to play corner. They never thought he'd ever play corner for them. They brought him in to play special teams. But there were two corners ahead of him. He was like third or fourth in the depth chart, but he was a terrific special teams guy. And the corners that were supposed to be ahead of him, one of them ended up moving to, to safety, and he's still with them, uh, Mr. McCourty. One of them just couldn't grasp the defense. Like I said, a lot of guys just can't – their heads melt. They just can't figure it out. Like, wait, wait, what? I thought, no, 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 wait, no, wait. Like, you can't <laughs> – I can't understand it. What do you mean? Because so, sometimes they'll be running man on one half of the field and zone on the other. And there's guys who just can't <laughs> – their head just goes <laughs> – you know, wait a second, I thought we were, no, 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 no. It's quarters man over here, son. You know, I, don't look at what they're doing. Like, some guys are kind of used to cheating. Let me look at and see over, no, you can't always go by what they're doing. They might not be doing the same thing you're doing. It is, people want, it is crucial. The mental side of the game, you want to play in the next level? Oh, you've got to be studying the game. So please, yeah, work on getting faster, work on getting stronger, because it's a freak show when you get to the NFL. But a lot of those freaks who don't make it, because their brains couldn't handle it. These guys have zero patience. Some of you have talked to guys who played in the NFL before, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What did they tell you about their coaches? Uh, pretty dry cut, straight to the point. Zero yep. talent. Yeah. And they'll tell you once. They'll correct you once. There probably won't be a second time. If you're an undrafted free agent, you're a small school kid, they're not going to – no, there won't be a second time. You make that first mistake, okay, okay, people make mistakes. You make that mistake a second time, and there's somebody else lining up at your spot. You're going to get to camp. There'll be a hundred and some odd dudes there, and they're all going to be freaks, every single last one of them. And they got to cut down from 105 or whatever to 90. And then they got to go from 90 to 75, 75 to 53. And every single guy they cut is a bad man. Nobody out there is weak. Nobody out there is slow. Nobody out there sucks. They all can play. So how do you survive if you're an undrafted free agent from a small school? You're from Presbyterian, right? You're from... uh, uh, Stonehill, right? How do you survive all those cuts? And Tyon nailed it. Special team. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys about your special teams experiences. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, start with, who did I start with? I'll, I'll start with you, Mr. Benson. Uh, what have you done before in your life on special teams, and what are you working on? Well, I'm on I mean, this season I just passed, I was on every special team. Kickoff return, kickoff. Punt, punt return, and um, pretty much. I mean, the biggest thing for me w- was watching film and knowing knowing what mm-hmm. what what teams do, what teams do on every special team. Because I was since I was on every special team, you know, this past season. Excellent. Same question to you, Mr. Wilson. What are your what's your special teams experience? What have you done before, and what are you working on for special teams? Um, I did all of them. Like you said, I did. 
punt, punt return, kickoff sometimes, kickoff return. Um, just everything. They they like to see the diversity, so they want mm-hmm. to see how athletic you are. So especially like you said, yep. being from a small school, you definitely gotta bring that to the table as well. So you have you know, to, because they're looking for an excuse to cut you. I'm just being exactly. honest. They're looking for an excuse to cut you. <laughs> so you've got to make it hard on us. Uh, Tyon, same question. What have, what have you done on special teams and what are you working on? Um, really, I'm working on everything. In college, I, I had played Gona. I was number two. And so I was number two because I was a starter. So they didn't want to get me hurt. So for me, I'm just trying to work on everything, basically, for on special teams. Okay. And Tyon, what do you what do you did you tell me what your official height and weight was? I can't remember if you told me yet. Yes, sir. I'm I'm five nine, one eighty five. That's right, you did slap slap on it right. Okay, I got it, got it right. It's what they'll see you. That's right. I remember that now. You did say that. And you said you're trying to get down to you said you'd been timed at a four you said four five? Yes, sir. Okay. Right. And you know, for you, especially if you're gonna be in the slot. I mean, your 40 time is cool and everything, but you need to make sure that your quickness, your, you know, go look at your three cone, go look at your short shuttle a lot because you've got to cover the, you know, the Edelmans and the Amendolas and the uh, Stefan Diggs and the, you know, all those super quick dudes. And same question for, who did I not ask yet? Uh, same question for you. Uh, did I ask you yes? Darius, about your special teams experience? I'm not sure you haven't, but... Um, I didn't think I had. Okay, Tell, same question for you, Darius. But pretty much, like, basically everybody else, I played on everything. I was returning... I've been returning kicks and punts since I got here. I was a gunner on punt for two years, and I was on kickoff my sophomore year. I actually was on field goal, extra point, too, <laughs> like the wingman, but, like, a linebacker <laughs> almost drove me back to the kicker, so they took me out the next game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, the point is you were willing, you know? The point is you were willing to do it. I don't know why they put me up there in the first place. I tried. I almost blocked the kick. <laughs> but, oh. Yeah, I'm, uh, I like I like returning kicks and punts, though. And like, being a gunner is real fun for me. I don't like kickoff as much, but whatever it takes <laughs> to make a team, I'm on it. When, when, they, when they ask you, don't say I don't like kickoff, but let them know that you love it all. You love it all. You can't wait to come down on kickoff. Put me at L3 on kickoff and I'll bust up wedges all day long. Let them know you love it. I can't <laughs> wait to quote Bart Scott. Can't wait. Because uh, that's your ticket. You're a small school guy. You're a DB. You're a linebacker. You're a, a wide receiver. You're, you're, you're fourth, fifth on the depth chart probably, especially if you came in undrafted or as a guy drafted late or a guy came into a tryout. I mean, you're going to be way down the depth chart. It's great that you are a fantastic wide receiver or a fantastic corner or, you know, linebacker. Or, well, let me, get to, let me get this to Vincent in a second. Now, you play with your hand in the dirt pretty much your entire collegiate career. Is that correct? Uh, I, I also played linebacker. But you did play linebacker. I would say half and half. Yeah. Okay. Now, clearly, I thought you were bigger. You, but you, you're about 246, you said? Yeah, I'm, I'm 246. Okay. So, clearly, you're going to have to play standing up at the next level. Yes, sir. So, tell me about that transition for you. What are you trying to do to get ready for that? I mean, right now, I'm just working on straight speed and watching a lot of film. Okay. 
Do you have, like, a coach you're working with? Is there somebody who's trying to give you some advice, some guidance on making that transition? Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been working with uh, a, a couple of coaches, you know, that coached me up in high school. I've been working with them a lot, you know. And they've been kind of uh, showing me, you know, what to do and, and how to do it and, and, and how, you know, breaking down. We've been watching film, breaking down film, looking at other, other people that play that 3-4 linebacker position, you know. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. Okay. Uh, I watched Joey Porter make that transition, who, of course, most of you have seen him. Uh, he's one of the more boisterous coaches in the NFL. He still has that player's mindset. If you've ever seen, if there's ever like a fight on field, somehow he ends up out there like, coach, what are you doing out there? He just can't help himself. He hasn't really made the, the switch. He, in his mind, he's still a player. He still works out like a player. I mean, he and Harrison obviously played together. Um, they still lift together, even though Porter's a coach now. He's supposed to be a coach. Uh, and he's a heck of a coach. I mean, he's a good coach, but he, in his mind, he still thinks he's a player. You know, people always point to, like, why is Porter running out there? He, is, he can't help it. He can't help it. In a couple of years, he'll calm down a little bit, but he's still a player in his head. And I got to watch him at Colorado State, undersized defensive end, but a terror. It's throwing, if you don't believe me, Throw on some tape of, of Joey Porter in college. Just terrorizes people. Just, oh, just awful. Just mean-spirited, nasty, unpleasant, you know, just, oh, just bad, bad, bad. Just awful, the things he did to people. Throwing people around, guys who outweighed him by 70 pounds, jerking them up out of the ground like they were nothing, throwing them around. Just awful. But he was about 249, I think is what he weighed in at the combine. And so they, you know, had to make the transition to playing three, four outside linebacker uh, in Dick LeBeau's system in, in what they used to call Blitzburg, uh, the whole very aggressive uh, system that LeBeau used to run when he had those guys. And uh, Chad Brown and Joey Porter and uh, uh, Kevin Green, and uh, who just made the Hall of Fame, and uh, Lloyd, Greg Lloyd. They were nasty. I, I don't know how else to say it. They were just nasty. <laughs> if you want to see just an unpleasant, mean, miserable, horrible bunch of linebackers just knocking the snot out of people all day long, throw on that mid-'90s Steelers linebacker core. Look them up on YouTube if you're into that kind of thing, and you, thank me later. Oh, oh just terrible, just terrorizing people, burning their villages, destroying their crops. It was just oh, terrible. But yes, the um, yeah, making that transition is not easy because now you've got coverage responsibilities. Are you are you doing some things to sort of learn about how to cover? Because you weren't asked to do that much in, in college, Mr. Benson. I mean, um, honestly, I played middle linebacker coming out of high school, so I, I'm very aware of, of coverage. Okay. So, you know, two to one, three to two, you know, hook okay. the curl, you know, curly okay. flats. Okay. So, so you're out there, you're out, I, you see, you know, it's like you got, you flipped your hips a few times, you've turned and burned, okay? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I flipped my hips. I, I mean, I, I was always a, a, a bigger guy, so that, that's kind of why I've been throwing on the D-line, you know, so, and I could do it. 
So I don't mind. I, I anywhere I can get on the field, you know, and be productive, I'm I'm down with it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um back to you, Tyon. I want to ask you a couple of questions because your tape is interesting to me. It, tell me about it's clear that there's times I would say you're guessing. Let me put that different. You're very instinctive and you seem to go off of I don't know if it's feel or things you spot on tape. You've made some plays that it doesn't seem like they should have been your play to make, but maybe I don't know your system well enough, so I shouldn't probably put it that way. But talk me through how it is you prepare to play a football game. What do you do to get ready? Take me through, you know, we've, we've finished with one game one, at the end of one week, right? You're done. You get Sunday off, God willing. And take me through your week to get ready for the next game. What do you do and how do you prepare? Okay, so – First of all, I'd be in the weight room. Like, I, I lift to stay in condition and stuff and stay fit. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'd be watching film, like, every other day, like, to keep mm-hmm. my mind on it, like, and what like what they like to do. And I just like the mm-hmm. – I just like to see far as, like, what they – I just like to see, like, what formation they come out of, like, and different things like that. Okay. So I'll sometimes see you go ahead and jump something, right? And that's every, every corner has to make that decision at some point, when to go ahead and jump and when to lay back and things like that. When do you yeah. decide? Because I've seen you pull the trigger a few times, and sometimes, you know how it is, like almost like in a scary movie, like you're rooting for the person to survive, but then the murderer breaks in. Like, same deal. Like, you, you feel like, oh, God, don't let it be a double move, you know. How do you decide when to go ahead and jump something as opposed to sitting back? It, it's just a good feeling. Like me and my me and my safety, like we be like, I probably tell them like I, w- I want to jump this route, and you no know one saying cover for me, and like we just like have that little chemistry, okay. and I just I just be jumping routes. Okay, yeah, you're like, very aggressive. You're very right. aggressive. I like it most of the time, but sometimes it scares me. We just have that little chemistry, me and my safety. And okay. we just, like, we, we don't do it every time. Like, we just, like, we do it on down the distance. And we just, like, do it, like, in formation, like, what, what, what we know the other team going to do. Because we watch a lot of film, and we just go out with good feeling. And we just know what's that make the call. Do it. Okay. And let me ask my other DB the same question. How do you decide when to go ahead and sell out to try to make the pick as opposed to just playing coverage? You still with me, Tyan? Oh, hello, hello. Yeah, I'm sorry. My, my uh, same, had, I was my, asking you the same question. Same question. Oh, it's my okay. I was just asking you the exact same question. How do you decide when to go ahead and, you know, go ahead and, and, and take that leap and, and try to actually go for the pick as opposed to playing coverage and playing to make the tackle? How do you make the decision of when to go ahead and just jump the route, try to make a play on the ball, make a big play, and, and get the pick as opposed to playing your coverage? Yeah, the game it's just like a boxing ring, boxing game. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you throw punches. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you 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 want to block them. So I just be playing with them. You know what I'm saying? Then when I want to jump the route, like I just do it. Opposed to like the coverage, like coverage down. Like when we're playing cover two, like I make it look like man, and I just mm-hmm. pull out. Like I just like be playing with them. Okay. 
Okay. And now, do you have a like a look or a, a signal you give to the safety or to the other guys to let them know that you're something you're doing, or you just go and then they just sort of read what you're doing? How does that work in your system? We have like a little signal, like we'll we'll tap our helmet or whatever, and we'll just oh, go okay. with it. Or I just look okay. at them because like they be looking at us like the quarterback. They be trying to grasp like what we're doing, and like we'll switch it up. Cause like we be doing it at practice, and like practice made perfect. So like we we got used to it. It just became okay. second, second nature to us. Okay, got it, got it. And is Mr. Wilson still with us? Okay, let me see who's still with me. Okay, uh, let's see, Mr. Mr. Vincent, you're still with me, right? Yes, I'm here. Okay, got it. And Mr. Darden, you're still with me? Yes, sir. Got it. Uh, Tyon, you're still with me? Yes, sir. Daryl, are you still with me? Okay, so that's Daryl, it looks like. Daryl, if you're available to call back, please do. If not, pleasure having you. So I'm going to give you guys the last couple of questions and let you guys get on with your lives. So each and every one of you has had some level of experience playing against guys who have gone on to play at the next level, whether it be someone you played with in high school, someone you played with or against in junior college or college. And some of them have told you certain things. And some of you even had conversations probably with scouts or maybe even coaches who told you about what to get ready for, things like that, what you have to do, how you have to prepare, all that stuff. I'll stick with you. Uh, So, Chucky, tell me about what you've heard from guys you may have known who play at the next level or coaches of yours that may have experience at the next level about what it's like, what to expect, things like that. Um, things I've heard, you got to be prepared each and every day. You got to treat the practices like a game. You got to bring that effort, got to bring that passion, got to bring that fire every day because every day it's a grind. It's a grind. It's 16 weeks to a season. 16 plus for some teams. So every day you got to be motivated. Be motivated to outwork the next man because that's what it's about. Cause the talent's out there. That's the only thing that's going to separate you. The, um, the, 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 the study, you know, watching film, just doing the other things, the small details, that's what separates you as a player. You know, everybody lifts weights, everybody runs sprints. But, you know, it's, right. it's certain few like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, who who master the basics of, of, of football in their in their um, certain position. So, with that being said, you know just 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 going the extra mile, just going the extra mile, doing what the what the average um, person in the NFL won't do. So, and be able to to play anything, any position, even if you got to be the water boy. You know, be willing to be humble and grateful for the opportunity, but at the same time hungry to play anything, whether it's special teams, kickoff, return, and just being available and being ready when, when your time comes because you may get one shot. And some people may get get um more than one shot, but you got to treat it as like this is my last chance. So, Yeah, that's extremely well put. And especially if you're a guy who's an unbashed free agent or brought in for a tryout, you may get one shot. You may have exactly one shot. So that's you're extremely correct. Uh, Tryon, same question for you. From guys that you've been around, whether it be coaches or players or 
you know, former teammates or anybody who's actually, you know, been in a camp or played at the next level, what did they tell you? What did they warn you or say to prepare you? Um, just basically just watching film and just preparation, like know like know what's going on in the game. Like just have a feel for it and just just play. Because we've been playing football all our life, you know what I'm saying? Just play. Go out mm-hmm. and play and have fun. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Darius, are you still with me? Yes, sir. Okay. Same question to you, sir. Um, what have you been told about what to expect, what you need to do to be prepared, You know what, what, what what's going to be like when you take that step into an NFL camp? Uh, gotta like you mentioned earlier about the playbook. You just gotta be mentally prepared more than physical. Cause I mean, you're gonna be physically prepared getting ready to play in the National Football League. But you just gotta be mentally there, ready to study your playbook. Take make the most of every opportunity you make. I mean, every uh, opportunity that's given. Mhm. I, I talk to my friend DeAndre all the time. So, I mean, oh yeah. You know, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, do you tell you about sort of like the shock, the, the shock of seeing just how fast everybody is and that kind of thing? I mean, with him, it's, I mean, you, you got to just know how we talk to each other. But he he didn't, but I was like, bro, how is it? Like, how? And I asked about different players. I asked about Cam Chancellor. He'd be like, bro, he big, bro. He fast. <laughs> he was like, well, I was like, bro, how did they real fast? He was like, I'll be chilling. You know me, I'll be chilling, bro. But so I can't really get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, he, you know, he did say, like, they big, though. It's a little different up there, but everybody athletes. He's a pretty good athlete yeah. himself, so. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm familiar with his work, yeah. But, yeah, Cam Chancellor, when, when Cam first walks into a room, people are shocked by, because he doesn't, I mean, you, you can tell he's big to some extent when you watch him on television, but you see him in person, it's a shock. Like, Cam. Uh, not just Cam Chancellor, but like Cam Newton. If you see Cam Newton in person, your first thought is the, you know, the end outside linebacker in a three-four maybe. Like your first thought isn't quarterback. He is wide and tall and deep. You know, he's not built like a quarterback at all. He's got forearms like a, you know, like a, you know, five technique D end or something. He's 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 enormous. You you. It is a shock when you first see Cam up close in person. Like, oh, TV doesn't do you justice. You're you're a giant. But yeah, it is a shock. A little bit of a shock for most people, at least. Uh, work my way through. So, uh, Mr. Vincent, same question. You as you said, you grew up in one of those talent rich. Let me back this up for a second. Now I got I let the Texas guys get their brag on, so I got to give you a same chance. Texas people always talk about Texas football, like just out of nowhere, like in the store, they start talking about it. They don't care. It doesn't have to be a football-related conversation. Every work Texas football into the conversation. South Florida doesn't have to take a backseat to anybody. Tell people about what South Florida football is like. Man, it, 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 it's, it's, it's intense. It, it's very competitive, you know. You know, every everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to compete. You know, it's, just, it's, just, it's at, a, it's at a, a, another level. You know, like, I, and I could tell the big difference when I when I go to these other states and I play with these other uh, other ball players. You know, and it, it ain't the same. It ain't the same passion. It ain't it ain't the same um, um, want to 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 play play football. You know, 
that's 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 the big difference between uh somebody coming from South Florida and somebody coming from, you know, a different area. I'll give the Texas guys points for like the conditions, like the the field conditions and the ridiculous facilities and you know, the amount of money that they pour into it. But for pure talent, I don't know too many places that can keep up with South Florida. They've got some stupid talent down there. Yeah. Now, if only you had a whole note like that, <laughs> you know, no, because uh, South Florida is a little different from the rest of the state, as you also probably have, have noticed if you've played other places and seen how they do it other places. So I'll ask yeah, the last yeah. two questions and you go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was agreeing with what you were saying. It's completely different from South Florida and, and, and Central and North Florida. Yes. There's still good talent, don't get me wrong, in the rest of the state, but that intensity you talked about seems to be a South Florida thing specifically. Definitely. Definitely a South Florida thing. You know, really, really if you ask me, really, it, 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 it's based off of, you know, Miami-Dade County and Broward County. You know, mm-hmm. those are like the two top counties for football in, in the state of Florida. Right. So. Yeah, and, and the guys who come out of there, you can tell, I mean, there's a certain, you know, almost fearlessness, almost arrogance, frankly, that you see come out of most of those guys. You know, I watched Michael Irvin and that bunch way back, you know, before most of you were, before all of you were born. Um, you know, I watched that yeah. first group when Miami first when Howard Snellenberger took that from being a quiet little nowheresville football program, I mean, Miami at the time that Snellenberger got there was more known for its law school than it was for football. Yeah. I'm not joking yeah, when I say yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. They were more known for their law school because they had the best law school in the southern half of the country. Um, there were really two really good law schools. Well, there's Marshall West, which is at William & Mary, uh, Duke, and then Miami. So Miami was always in the top three amongst the South in terms of law school. But that's what people knew Miami for, business school, law school, that kind of thing. People didn't talk about Miami football in the 70s, (laughs) you know. So it was the arrival of Snellenberger that changed everything. And he got them to start bringing those local kids in because those local kids, I mean, we go to FAM. If you go back to the black kids, especially in the 50s and 60s, all ended up at Florida A&M. That's where they used to all end up. Talk to your parents, your grandparents about that. Yeah, so yeah. Bethune Cookman, exactly. There we go, there we go. Right, so talk to your parents and your grandparents. So before the 70s, they all ended up at the HBCUs, but that's why Jake Gaithers, you know, had built those Rattlers into one of the best teams in the country at one point. They could have beaten Notre Dame in the in the late 60s if they'd gotten a chance to play them. Uh, but, they, yeah. you know, but they didn't get that chance. So now we have, you know, modern era. The world's very much changed in a lot of different ways. We have a very pass first kind of world, you know, I mean, the, the running game is still important, but that's, it's, everything's about stopping the pass really first and foremost. That's why all these nickel corners, right? You guys got jobs now, right? You have, that's a, you're a starter nowadays. You're on the field more than yeah. the third linebacker is. So that's a super important yeah. position. I was born too early, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I want you guys to each tell me about that. If I'm a scout, right. And I'm coming onto your campus and you're showing me your tape. I'll stick with you, Mr. Benson, on the way back up the board. Oh, I see. Who's joined me from beautiful South Cali- Southern California? 
somebody from Southern uh, California just joined me. Who's hopped on? Who else just hopped on a few minutes ago? Somebody down in beautiful Southern California is with us. I don't know. Well, well, I'll proceed. So if I'm coming onto your campus and, you know, I, I like you already, but I got to sell you to my boss. I got to convince my director of college scouting that, hey, late in day three or maybe as an undrafted free agent, you're a guy we need to have on our list and I need to have a game to point to. I'll stick with you, Mr. Vincent, for the moment. Which is the game, if, hey, I'm trying to get you into a camp or trying to get you drafted, point to the game that's the game that I should watch. Uh, I'll probably go with the uh, University of Indianapolis um, just because, you know, I, I I did, as far as, like, making plays, I made pretty I, – I made some pretty good solid plays, but, you know, if you if you took a take a great look at me and, and, and I'm always in position, I'm always doing my job, you know, I'm, all, I'm, I'm always doing what I'm supposed to do. Because you know, at the, at the end of the day, it is a eleven man game, and 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 everybody got to do their job, you know. Okay, okay. So that's 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 the game that I'm going to. Oh, interesting enough. So you and Mr. Rogan shared the field at some point. That it sounds like. Okay, interesting. I'll have to definitely go back and look at that. Uh, same question for you, Tanya. Tell me. This is the game I need to watch if I'm trying to sell somebody on drafting me. I would say on my junior year, my Sioux Falls game, because no, like, like I feel the victory, and I can just show them like the playmaking ability and just the hard work, film studying. I can just show them like, play big plays can happen. Okay. So that that was the the games you think showed your the best of your abilities. Um, no, sir. They just they just won the games. Oh. It just stood out to me. Just stuck with me. Oh, okay. Okay. And same question for you, Darius. Tell me, tell uh, me the game that's going to be the one that makes people say, "Oh, okay, yeah, this I got to have this kid." Truman State. We played Truman State because, uh, like I said, it's been real crazy here at my school. So. Not a single player has like no nobody has like a game where they show they complete where, where they can do everything because our offense is up and down and stuff like that. But as far as like showing huh. my most of my receiver abilities, uh, Truman State game because all my special teams is all over the place. So the punt returns okay. and the kick returns. I never really had like a complete game. Huh. But, okay. Yeah. okay. Interesting. And Tukey. Same question. What's the game that's going to make somebody say, oh, 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 you know, the one that's going to, okay, we got to make sure we get, if we don't manage a draft, we got to bring him in as an undrafted free agent at the very least. Like, what's that game that I should I should circle? I say out of all the games, I, I don't think it was the, the most impressive game I had, but I, I would definitely take the game I played on ESPN the only televised game we played nationally on ESPN three against Edinburgh, which they were a mm-hmm. nine to two team. They they um went to the um conference championship and, and eventually lost. But I take that one in particular because I only had three catches but two of them were touchdowns. Um that just shows <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm I'm a game changer. Like it doesn't matter if you give me the ball one time, you give me the ball ten times, I'm gonna make the most of it. 
So that them two, that that one game is in particular the game to show for me, which it was viewed. Um, I'm not scared of the big lights. I'm not scared of the pressure. So I definitely have to take that game. Okay, gotcha. Hmm. Is there anybody who hasn't had a chance to answer that question yet? Your best game or the game that best represents you? Yes, sir. Okay. Who did not? Who did I not ask that yet? Okay. Is there somebody I'm missing? Did I miss someone? No, sir. Okay, I'm making sure. Okay, and. Let me just check. There is somebody on with us from, or these are calling from a South Carolina, I'm sorry, Southern California phone number. Yes, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. I just said, who is that? My name is Romero from Rand. I'm with Global Sports Southern Cal in San Diego, California. Oh, okay. No problem. Okay. I just didn't know if you were a listener or if you were, because sometimes people call from one number, even though there's someplace else. I don't know if it's like one of the prospects who just came in late. Okay. No problem. <laughs> No, I was calling to hear, no my, man, hear my man D. I was calling to hear my man uh, Daryl Wilson. I was calling yes, to hear, hear yes. him if he was on the line. No problem. I'm a fan. I am a fan. So okay, so you know. Uh, so I'm going to take it through our last couple of questions. So every single one of you has overcome a certain amount of, I guess you can call it challenges. You can call it adversity. Whatever you want to call it, whether it be academics that may have slowed you down previously, whether it be playing in a system that didn't highlight your talents the best, uh, changes in the coaching staff, all kinds of things happen, right? Injury in a few cases, things happen. And you somehow all manage to say, keep going, fight through, keep going, fight through. I'll stick with you first, Mr. Brinson. What do you think was the toughest challenge, the thing that gave you the, the hardest, you know, sort of stumbling block, the greatest piece of adversity you had to overcome thus far in your life? Um, I mean, um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to start with like this past, this past semester mm-hmm. where I was taking, I was taking 18 credits during the football season and, and that, was, that was pretty tough, man, to, to balance football and, and academics and, and, and be able to, to pass my, my, all my classes with good grades, you know, I, I was kind of, uh, 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 Something that that was tough for me, and and I overcame it, you know, by uh, just time management, you know, being mm. being organized and 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 turning in everything before the due date, you know. Okay. Okay. It's a great answer, and as you will find out, if you do play at the next level, time management will become an incredibly important part of your life. I'll just leave it at that. Same question for you, Mr. Wilson. Tell me about the greatest challenge, the the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome thus far. Did you ask me, Mr. Hicks? Yeah, uh, Daryl Wilson, you're still with me, right? Or are you? Do I lose Daryl? Maybe I lost Daryl. Okay. Darius, then. (laughs) Darius, uh, what was the biggest obstacle, the biggest challenge you had to overcome? Um. Gaining exposure coming out of high school, and well, I didn't get any coming out of high school, but that little exposure I got coming out of JUCO to get a few offers, and now gaining exposure mm. from here, being from a small school, a losing program, 
mm. stuff like that. And of course, uh, coaching issues. Like I never got into any physical altercations with coaches. I never really had problems with coaches, but for whatever reason, then my OC didn't like me. But I mean, but I still overcame that. Of course, they was forced to play me, but little things like that. Like he kind of slowed me down, slowed down what I was trying to get done too. You know, it's funny because I think people think players are making excuses when they say things like that. I've played and I've been a graduate assistant in a fairly large, well-known university setting. I'll leave it at that. And coaches do have favorites. It's true. Coaches like some guys and don't like other guys. They're humans. They're not gods. They're like other people. They have attachments. They have relationships. They like some people. They don't like other people. Now, the best of them, can overlook that or, or work past it to play the best player that gives their team the best chance to win. And so, but not, a, not every coach is that. Some coaches will, to the detriment of the team, you know, let their feelings get in the way. It, it happens in business. It happens in other parts of life. It happens in football. And so people have a tendency to assume, well, this kid's a, you know, bad character kid. He's this. He had trouble with his coaching staff. That means he's not coachable. I applaud you for being honest enough to say, you know, you have these issues and these things will come up, right? People ask. They do. They ask your coaches. They assume a lot of scouts are former coaches. Um, a lot of times they will take the – they'll automatically assume what the coaches said is, coaches says is true. If you've had some sort of trouble with your coaching staff, it's great to be upfront about it and say, hey, we have trouble with the staff about X, Y, Z. You know, I tried to be respectful. I'm not going to, you know, talk anybody down, but this is my experience. And just be as honest as you can about it. It will come up. I promise you. <laughs> they ask about everything. They're going to ask about, you know, if you ever had a summer job and a talk to the person that was your boss. I mean, if you were a Boy Scout, your troop leader. I mean, it's like the FBI. Every, most, most good NFL organizations, when they are interested in a player, they try to learn everything they can. NFL people hate surprises. Hate them. They don't like finding out at the last minute that somebody, you know, had some sort of altercation or problem or took something or smoked something or whatever it is. They don't ever want to find that out after. They want to know everything before. So, yes, if you had some sort of stuff in your background, hey, if they ask you about it, don't lie. Be as honest as you can about it. That's my last little piece of advice. We'll move forward. Uh, Who else did I need to get to? Oh, Uh, so uh, same question. Same question, same question. To you, Tyon, tell me about, you know, what has been your greatest challenge thus far that you had to overcome? Um, I say by losing my cornerback coach and a few hmm. a few coaches on the on the staff and just learning like a new a new system, new technique. And I just used my old technique and a new technique. And we had lost a teammate this year, this past year. And oh, wow. I, we over, we overcame it as a team, and we just fought through it, and we just represented him the best way possible. Yes. Well, my thoughts and prayers go with all those who knew and loved that person. That's that's something that's you know, real life sometimes intrudes even in the wonderful, amazing world of football. You can't always separate yourself from the real world. It's, it happens. And let me see. Uh, I've got to. Daryl, I guess, has dropped off, but we still have Darius. We still have Tyon. We still have Mr. Vincent. Oh, Chippy, same question to you. Um, what's been your greatest challenge, your greatest 
stumbling block. It is obstacle thus far. Um, I definitely have to say, um, two years ago I had a um severe right leg injury. Kept me out for the whole mm. year. I had to um, right. rest. So just not being on the field and competing every day um, with the guys, it, it was very it was very frustrating. So having to be patient and overcome and rehab every day, you know. That that was it was very tough on me. So, but I did come back um, bigger, faster, stronger, which um, most people didn't think mm-hmm. I would do, you know. And I just, you know, give glory to God for that. You know, without Him, you know, I wouldn't be here, be here today. I don't know where I'd be at. So, that, mm-hmm. that's definitely the biggest challenge. Excellent. And whatever your your background or foundation may be, and and how you got here, and you know, what you may have done in your past, the ability to, it's going to be tough. I don't care if you do get drafted, right? And God willing, every single one of you will. There's a pretty good chance that most of you won't, just because of the numbers. The numbers say, the numbers are against, if you were a starter at Georgia, you know, the the numbers are against you. But if you're a guy coming from a smaller school, the numbers are even more against you. So when you come into a camp, you've got to have, as someone earlier said, mindset that, that you've got to have that mindset that every day is your last chance. Every rep, and it, once again, you're not going to get starters reps right away. I mean, they've got a bunch of guys already, you know, last year who got all the starters reps, and you've got to slowly climb that hill, and that hill is slippery, and it's steep. And I, I, like I said, I wish every single one of you a huge amount of, you know, blessings, and I hope that you are mentally and physically tough individuals because the crucible that faces you is one that very few people survive. It's a teeny tiny number. I mean, I threw out the number before. Three-tenths of 1% of the guys who were starters in high school will ever see a camp. I didn't say start. I didn't say get a contract. I said even see a camp. You know, even, like I said, leave there with just the, the laundry bag and the shorts and the T-shirt, three-tenths of 1%. And an even smaller number, <laughs> get to stick around, you know, cut that number in slightly less than half, and now you're getting to the guys who even get to sign a contract, and even cut that number again in half, and you have the guys who get to stick around for three years, right? If they, you're, cut, you're, you're passing through all these teeny tiny filters. Listen to people who've been there before. Drink up everything they have to say and outwork everyone. I know people keep saying that one rep, one more hour of film work. One more. You're going to hate sometimes the commitment. You, you may love the game, but the commitment. You may sometimes hate it, but embrace that. Embrace the suck, as we used to say in the Army. <laughs> embrace the suck. Hey, that 60-mile ruck march sucks. Embrace the suck. So I'll, I'll ask the final question and let you gentlemen get on with your, your lives. And once again, I thank every single one of you. Uh, it's great to get to know each of you better. You'll get a follow-up email after this that will have a little questionnaire that I'll be using to build out the profile and a link to the show itself. So you'll be able to listen to it again if you want to or send it to somebody who may want to hear your interview. And it'll be, it'll be everybody's in there, so it'll be you and the guys that are on before you and all that stuff, but they'll all be there. And I want to keep up with you because as some of you guys participate in like pro days and uh, combines and all-star games, I want to get updates so I can build that into your profile as well. So what your workout numbers were and 
who might have attended, if you got a chance to talk with some scouts, and God willing, you guys will get a chance to talk with scouts for two reasons. One is it means that, you know, teams now aware that you exist, but also you don't realize who knows who. Football is a family. People keep saying football is family. We kind of laugh at it, but almost every scout, almost every coach is related either by blood, marriage, or friendship to about 100 other guys somewhere else in the game. So I bet you guys have college coaches who have who played with or against or were friends with guys who are in the league now. Don't be afraid to work those relationships. Hey, didn't you tell me one of your former teammates is a such-and-such for the so-and-sos? Could you just? Hey, a closed mouth does not get fed. If you're a small school kid, no time to be proud. This is the time to work those relationships. Don't leave it all to someone else. You are the CEO of, you know, uh, Darius uh, Hicks Incorporated. Everyone else can help you, but you've got to be, you know, you. You've got to be the guy that's pushing you hard and everybody else is pushing you. Okay, so final question. Uh, I'll go back to you, Tyre. Tell me if you could essentially sort of pick your situation, right? The scheme or team or whatever, like perfect situation for you. How would you be used? What kind of system? What kind of situation? Which one do you, what kind, where would you, if you could sort of paint the picture, paint that picture for me. What would be perfect for you? Okay. It would be it would be like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers scheme, the Tampa 2. Okay. Gotcha. And like, like they do different things out of it, so you wouldn't know like cover 2, cover 1, because like they mix it up. Mm-hmm. And it would be the perfect picture for me because we did a lot of cover 2 and man um, in my school as well. And I feel like I'll fit with them. Okay. Got it. And Darius, the exact same question. Uh, if you could essentially paint the pictures, set the scene, perfect situation for you, how you could be maximized to the next level. What would be that situation? Where would you be? How would you be used? Uh, I like the Cardinals offense, how they uh, use their receivers and a whole bunch of stuff. I know other teams do it, but I see it mostly with them. And they have mm-hmm. a receivers plan. Everywhere, like nobody's yeah. limited to outside or inside. Which, of course, that NFL play, they're professional, so that shouldn't happen anyway. With them or the Cowboys, okay, be able to gotcha. I, position. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of of the the mind of Bruce Arians. You'll see um, Larry Fitzgerald line up at fullback. You'll see him line up at wing. You'll see him line up at tight end. You'll see him line up at well, obviously. X and Z, uh, and in the slot. But yes, I mean he's he's basically any place he can be lined up, short of an actual offensive line position on offense and quarterback. Uh, only spot that I don't think I think I haven't seen him line up yet. So yeah, I, I agree. They do some very interesting creative things. I'm a big Bruce Arians fan. I've been a fan of his since he was uh, a coach at Temple, and his best player was a young man named Todd Bowles, a heck of a safety, who of course we now see as an NFL coach. So I've been a fan of Bruce Arians for a long, long time. My parents went to Temple, so I used to go to Temple football games back when I was a kid. Uh, let's see. Who have I not gotten to yet? Oh, Mr. Dart. Yes. Same question to you, Chucky. Um, if you could essentially paint the picture, set the scene, put yourself in the best possible situation. I would have to say either the, um, the Steelers or the um, Patriots. 
Cause I, I, from what <laughs> so I you like you like complication. You like difficult. You like... <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I don't mind the challenge. I like how they use their their receivers. Um, I feel like I can take the top off of a defense, or I can take a okay. screen to the house. Um, okay. I just feel like um, with the schemes, they can um, put me in different positions to be successful. And plus, they need a return man, so I feel like there I, we I go. Need to be, to that boy, so yeah, them two teams right there. Well, you're, you're let's just see knowing the depth sucks. You're correct. Both those teams could use a bit of a a little, you know upgrade, kick in the pants, or whatever, in their return game. And they do run systems where, once again, they will create opportunities for you to be matched up on guys you should be able to beat. They will they will force somebody's safeties to have to cover a quick little slot receiver in space, and good luck with that. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. With the exception of the years that they had Randy Moss, look at the receivers that have thrived for the Patriots. It's Troy Brown. It's Wes Welker. It's Danny Amendola. It's, you know, Edelman. I mean, these aren't, you know, big, giant. These aren't Chris Carter. These aren't, you know, what's this? They had Randy Moss for, but for a short time. But this is a Terrell Owens. These are dudes who are 5'11", 5'9", 5'8", maybe almost six feet tall. Edelman, I guess, is just a shade under six. But most of the guys are short, uh, very quick. But very smart and tough also. Not afraid of, you know, going into the danger zone, right? Hey, if yep. Tom Brady says I got to go here and catch this ball and there's this, you know, is Will Linebacker about to, you know, knock me into next week, I, well, guess that's what I got to do. Uh, <laughs> hey, I got to keep Tom happy. If you keep Tom happy, he keeps your bank account full. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, because look, look at that. They've had a lot of – it's funny. Look at the receivers they brought in. They, they brought in some big, fast guys before, and a lot of guys just didn't stick. They drafted Chad Jackson out of Florida. He didn't last. He was the first rounder, number, I think, 19 overall. He got cut quick. Uh, Chad, Ocho Cinco, Johnson, whatever, you know, Chad was at that point. Guy had been an all-pro before. Couldn't couldn't handle it. Couldn't couldn't. Couldn't do what Tom needed him to do. Sorry, Chad. You might even be a borderline Hall of Famer, but you can't play for us. Understanding, what is it Bill Belichick says every time he talks to his team? Do your job. Right? Yes, sir. He's not Mr. Ra-Ra speech exactly, (laughs) but he's very clear about what he expects. Do your job. He doesn't ask a lot else, actually. He just wants you to do that. If you can do that, you can have a job with his team for a long time. Because the only thing I'll say about him is he's very fair-minded. They've gotten rid of a lot of guys who were came with big reputations and, and first round and whatever else and just didn't stick around, couldn't cut it. They've also brought in a lot of guys who were, you know, Amendola was undrafted. They got Welker as a – originally he wasn't a big star either. He came to them from the Dolphins, where the Dolphins had gotten him as an undrafted free agent, and he was seen as a punt returner. You know, people didn't think of him as a I – mean, he played slot receiver, but no one thought of him as a dominant player exactly. Um, Edelman, right, was a quarterback conversion from Kent State. Wasn't exactly – people weren't exactly saying he was going to be a dominant player when he came out. They, he, they find a way. They find the guys they like, and they find a way to help them succeed. But you've got to hold up your end of the bargain. And that means learning one of the most complex playbooks in the history 
of football. So, Mr. Garden, I hope you get your chance. And if it's in New England, uh, RIP your social life. I just want to be very clear with you. you can, <laughs> I don't know if you have a lot of friends or whatnot, but I hope they're understanding because they're not going to hear from you for a while because that playbook and you are going everywhere. You're going to have to have that thing covered in plastic and laminated so you can shower with it. Well, now I guess it's on an iPad or whatever. <laughs> but wherever it is, that's your life. That's your life because if you don't master that, it doesn't matter what else you can do. You can't play there. Yes, sir. I agree. I'm all football, so I'm all for it. Oh, well, you're already all football. Excellent. That'll, that, that's how you stick. That's like Bill Belichick likes that. Oh, you're all football. You don't have anything else going on. No, no dog. No girlfriend. No life. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you're my guy. <laughs> so, now you've been there a couple of years to let you have a dog. Um, let's see. Did I leave anybody out? Did I ask everybody? Let's see. Make sure I didn't leave someone out. Mr. Vincent, I asked you right, or did I? No, no, you didn't actually. Hit. I stuck okay, I knew I left so okay, I thought it was. Okay. Same question. Tell me about how you could best be utilized. Where would be the perfect spot in terms of scheme or team or utilization? Where would be the best place to get the best out of you? Uh I mean me personally, it, I, I don't think it matters what team I play for. I mean, the scheme I feel like I'll be the best side would be probably be a three four defense. Okay. That's what I say. And so do you see yourself as, like, a strong outside? Do you see yourself as weak outside? I mean, what would be the the spot where you would see yourself in, as a 3-4 outside linebacker? I, I would see myself more as a weak a weak side, outside linebacker. But I can play okay. both. It doesn't really matter. Okay. So you don't mind occasionally having to still do battle with tackles and that kind of thing? I mean, that's, I love doing that, you know. It's it's it, it's an art, you know. It's 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 like stepping in the boxing ring, you know. Yeah, trying yeah to, it is. Trying to uh, uh, mess with somebody's mind, you know. Let them think you're doing this, but you're doing that, you know. So definitely enjoy doing that. Okay. With 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 added on to dropping back and and, and catching the interception to the house, you know. Or, or make, making plays in the backfield, you know, tackle for loss on a running back. Okay. Got it. Um, to each one of you, and I, I think I have brought you. I have email addresses brought you, so you can all look for an email from me. To each one of you, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, it is a great challenge that you're about to undertake. You're about to step into an arena, a situation, an opportunity where. You will see guys that you've watched play the game, maybe even guys that you may have rooted for or rooted against, I guess, depending upon exactly where you go. Uh, you'll be surrounded, like I said, at the freak show. I mean, the biggest, fastest, most amazingly physically gifted human beings the world has produced will be some of the guys you'll be lining up with or lining up against, having to block or having to tackle or having to try to beat on a – you know, on a rail route or a, or a wheel route or what have you. I mean, there's all kinds of challenges you're about to face. And I think each of you has mentally prepared yourself, and that's a good first step. And you're working on physically preparing yourself, and that's a, a very important step as well. And just in terms of understanding that the chance that's right for you may not be the first chance you get, hey, 
I could give you a list of Hall of Famers who got cut at least once, some of them more than once, you know? <laughs> a couple of teams could have had Kurt Warner for, you know, anything and didn't think he was good enough. He had to spend a couple of years. He wasn't even AFL League One. He was an AF2, people. He was, so just to put that in perspective, AF1, the American Football, the, the uh, Arena Football League top level didn't think Kurt Warner was good enough. He had to play in AF2 for a little while before they let him come up to AF1. Put that into your your mind, right? So uh, Kurt Warner, future Hall of Famer, couldn't even play in the top-level arena ball for a while. Went to NFL Europe, got exposed to some NFL coaching, got some NFL coaches knowing who he was, including uh, some of you have seen Tom Luganville, the guy who works for ESPN now, former Georgia Tech quarterback. His dad, Al Luganville, was a very highly respected coach as well. Knew a lot of people, saw Kurt Warner in, in the NFL Europe, made some calls, talked to his good friend of his, Coach Vermeil, who he'd known for many years, going back to their days at, oh, God, was it San Jose State, San Diego State, somewhere where they coached together many, many years before. And so when they had a bunch of injuries, a kid named Joe Germain that they'd gotten from Ohio State didn't pan out. Um, they eventually had to do some play, good old-fashioned tryouts. They brought in some quarterbacks, Gus Ornstein, for those who remember him from Northwestern and Notre Dame. Got called in. They also called this kid from northern Iowa that nobody really had heard of named Kurt Warner. Had an open tryout for a couple of quarterbacks. They decided not to keep the big, strong kid from Notre Dame slash Northwestern, not to keep, you know, some of the guys he called in. They decided to keep this kind of scrawny guy, you know, who was already like 26, who bounced around all over the place named Kurt Warner. And literally, you know, 11 years later, that guy retires with a very good chance to make the Hall of Fame. So I know you've all heard it before. It's not where you start, it's where you fit and where you finish. It's not, you know, uh, how many stars they have, you know, when you came out of high school. It's not, you know, where you end up playing college ball. It's all about when you finally get that chance, when you finally get that chance. Making sure that whoever that poor SOB that has to try to face you in that one-on-one has the worst day of his life. You've got to have a little bit of killer instinct. I mean, I hate to put it this way, but you're, you're out there taking somebody's livelihood away. There's not some open slot. It's not scholarships. They're not handing these things out. This is someone's job already that you have to take away from them. They don't want you to have it. They're not going to give it to you. You have to go out there with the mindset, I'm sorry, number 47, you, you're going to lose your spot today. Today, this is it. I have come for your job. It's not a nice thought. It's not a friendly thought, but it's a thought that it's, you've got to have a little bit of killer in you. If you want to be an NFL football player, you think Antonio Brown felt sorry for the dude that he shoved out the, the door when he decided to he's going to not just be a special teams guy anymore. He's going to be a starting wide receiver. That means somebody lost a job. Every time somebody wins a job, somebody loses a job. They didn't make more, more spots. They didn't add more. You know, it's not, a, it's not an 83-man roster. It's a 53-man roster. Every team has 30, 40 guys who are good enough who get cut. So you are wonderful young men, but I hope you have a little bit of killer in your heart, just a little, because you're going to have to pick some dude and say to him, I'm so sorry. I'm a positive thing ahead of time. You are going to lose your job today. 
because you're going to have to do that to somebody. I hope you have a little bit of killer in your heart, just a little bit. You all have a little bit of killer in your heart? A little bit? Yes, sir. Okay, just making sure, you know, because it's a tough business, man. It is a tough business. I, I think you all probably know that, but you'll see, right? You'll see. It is a business. It is It's still football. But that's the one difference between when you started when you were seven or eight or whatever age. You still love it. It's still fun. You're still running around, running into people. You're still scoring touchdowns. That stuff's still the same. The part that isn't the same is that everybody there, they're trying to feed their families and pay their mortgages, send their kids to college. And so when you first come in there and you're about to push some eight-year veteran out the door, right, some guy that they've gotten to know over the years and their friend, they may not be all that excited to see you coming at first. <laughs> it takes them a while to warm up to you, you know, sometimes. So you got to realize that. you got to fight through that, right? It, there are sometimes, not everybody's going to be all, hey, let me show you how to do this so you can take my job, right? Sometimes at first, they're kind of rooting for you to fail at first because, you know, they don't even know who you are. You're just another kid out here trying to play in the NFL, and we don't think you're good enough anyway. Where are you from? Stonehill. Where the hell is Stonehill? Right? What, what is that? <laughs> so you've got a lot of things to fight through. And I, God bless every single one of you. I hope every single one of you has, like I said, a little bit of killer, a little bit, that will allow you to keep going when somebody else isn't still going. Allow you to study that playbook a little bit more when somebody else decides to play a little PlayStation or FaceTime their girlfriend. Because guys get lonely. Camp is lonely. Camp is dull. I get it. But hopefully your girlfriends, your dogs, your families are understanding because you need to be on a 100%. Who said they were all football? They had nothing else going on. Was that, was that to you, Tookie? Who was like all football, got nothing else going on? Yes, sir. Okay, right. So your dog, your girlfriend, your family, whatever it is, they all understand they're not going to hear from you for a while as you get in an NFL camp is what you're telling me. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, I mean, once again, there's different ways to do this thing, but that's probably the way to approach it if you're going to come in from Stonehill, right? If you're not coming in from USC, you're not coming in from Georgia, you're not coming in from Texas, you're coming in from Stonehill, you might want to let your dog, your girlfriend, your family know that you're not going to hear from you for a while. I, you know, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll send y'all an email when I get some, you know, or whatever, something like that. Hey, when I get a contract, I'll give y'all a call. You might want to approach it that way because it's a, oh, it's a fight, man. And God willing, there'll be at least a veteran or two that will maybe see something in you that they like. They'll pull you aside and say, Coach, he says this, but he means that, or, you know, the call here is this, or watch out for that. Because not every veteran's rooting for you to fail, but some of them will. I'm not, once again, I'm trying to sort of prepare you for, it's not all, you know, hey, come here and give me a hug at first. So, you know, it, it takes them a while to warm up to you. When you're a rookie, and you're, like I said, you're a kid that nobody's heard of from school, nobody's heard of, and the coach doesn't know your name, hey, 47, hey, 26, hey, 16, you know, and then you get a nickname. Well, you have a nickname already. Good job, uh, Tuki. You come in with a nickname. Maybe they'll call you by your nickname. Who knows? That's a good day. When they call you by your name, 
and you're uh, an undrafted free agent rookie and somebody learns your name, that's a good day. That's a good day. Put that day down. Uh, circle that day on the calendar. He screamed at me, but he screamed my name. You know, <laughs> that's a big day. You're one step closer to not being cut. And the last thing I'll leave you with, the special teams coach is your best friend. The special teams coach is your best friend. That's your new best friend. Find out what the special team coach likes. How does he take his coffee? Does he like his car, you know, with a, with a buff? I mean, you find out everything about that special teams coach, what he likes and how he likes it. Because if you hang around this league for a little while, it's going to be because primarily that special teams coach. You won't even get a chance to show them what you can do as a receiver, as a linebacker, as a whatever it is you think you are, until you earn your keep as a special teams player. That's why I'm so happy and impressed that every single one of you guys is working on being a great special teams player, because that's how you survive those cuts. That's how you survive. Not by being a, an amazing route runner, though I hope you, if you're a receiver, an amazing route runner. Not by being a shutdown corner or a super quick-footed little, little slot corner if that's what you are and i hope you are but the way the way that you'll survive is by knocking somebody into next week on pump coverage or throwing a great block on kickoff or picking up uh an edge rusher on on pat i mean whatever do those things and do them wholeheartedly 100 percent like like you're doing it to save the hostages like you're doing it to 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 keep someone alive because it's keeping your you alive as a player, young gentlemen, each and every one of you, uh, Darius, each and every Suki, uh, Mr. Vincent, uh, Mr. Wilson, who I guess we may have lost, but it's great having you when you were here, uh, Tyon, every single one of you, all of you. I hope that you get a fair shot. Because, frankly, that doesn't even always happen with small school guys. But if you do, I hope you realize how precious and rare a thing that fair shot is, and I hope you kill it. Gentlemen, I thank you for your time. I thank you for your talent. I thank you for your attention. You will get a follow-up email, as I said. It will have a questionnaire in it. There will be a series of profiles that will show up on Nothing Bolt Sports. Also, some of you will show up on... um, uh, my buddy Rick Saratella's uh, NFL Draft Bible as well, and he and I will be doing some things together. So keep an eye, an ear, or whatever out uh, for the follow-up email. And please, uh, be blessed, be safe, but, and be aggressive. This is the most amazing challenge, the most amazing ride, and the most amazing blessing of your young lives is about to face you soon, and I, I hope you will all be successful. Thank you for the opportunity to be on the show. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity, too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for being so open and so honest and for letting me learn a little bit more about you. I I watched each one of you at some point or another in your career. Some of you I got to see a couple of times. One of you I only got to see literally once on tape. So I'd like to see more tape if I can. But uh, but a couple of you I got a chance to see a few times. I got to see some of you grow. Some of you I saw over, you know, more than one year. Some of you I saw just one season. But either way, I saw something that said to myself, you know, this is the person I want to get to know more about. This is a football player, and now I get to know the person behind behind the tape. So I thank you so much for that. And every single one of you gentlemen, like I said, please, uh, I'll be wanting to keep in contact with you and see as you go through the experience what kind of opportunities you get in terms of postseason 
All-Star Games. A couple of you are in postseason All-Star Games, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, which games for the two of you? Um, I'm going to the Dream Bowl. Dream Bowl, right. Dream Beach, right. And then do have somebody going to... I'm going to the Tropical Bowl. Okay, got it. Tropical. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to, to want to know... Also. Say that again? I'm going to the Tropical Bowl also. Okay, we have two guys going to the Tropical, tropical Bowl. Good, 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 good. So you guys will you know, kind of sort of know each other. Um, I want to hear about your experiences. I'll be updating your profiles with that, your pro days, and if you guys get invited to your private workouts, things like that. If you're allowed to talk about them, some teams are very secretive, but if, some teams don't care. If you do have contacts with things like that, you have opportunities like things like that, I want to be able to, to update your profiles regarding that. And once again, to all of you, I, I wish you nothing but the greatest possible success. I hope that you will have every opportunity to show what you can do and that when it's all said and done, you'll have no regrets because this, like I said, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I hope every single one of you gets that chance to show all that talent, all that ability, and all that hard work you've put in. So, as I said, look for the follow-up email. I thank you once again. I'll let you guys move on with the rest of your day. Some of you probably have workouts planned or meals. Some of you are trying to bulk up. Uh, I, I've been there before. I've been there before. As a 174-pound strong safety, I know. I know your pain. Um, you but those of you who are who have things to do, I want you to get get a chance to do those things. You get an email from me probably around uh, four or so hours from now. By that time, I'll have the show uh, archived, so there'll be a link to that archive of the show. And as I said, there'll be that questionnaire that I'll be using to post out and build out your profiles. Thank you once again, gentlemen. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.